kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? Or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? Well, music is my life, man. What do you want me to do? Bishtinsky speaking, you're listening to episode 42, Life, the Universe and Everything, of uh, Love That Album, the album discussion podcast, and I'm very, very excited about this show, but I say that every time, but I really am this time around, because I can't believe it's taken me 42 episodes to get to discuss my favourite songwriter on the planet. Any of you who know me personally, won't find this a surprise about that who we're going to talk about tonight, but you know, you'd probably be surprised that it's taken me this long as I certainly am. And it's about, we're going to be talking about Richard Thompson's latest album, Electric, and I'll go into it shortly why I chose this particular one, but I'm also very excited to welcome not one, but two people to discuss the album with me this time around. So first of all, let me welcome back to Love That Album, his second appearance, from Ontario, Canada, Mr. John Ross. Good evening. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going well, it's going well. It's my night time, your morning, and how are you holding up down there? Good, good, good. Excellent. Waiting to talk, been excited. Oh, yep, it'll be, it'll be good. And a newbie to the show, a virgin to love that album, if you will, but uh, a man who I've always found really interesting insight into both his uh, film discussions and music discussions on a variety of uh, Facebook film and music discussion pages. Mr. Dave Micklemore, courtesy of Texas. Uh, so remind me, where are you in Texas, Dave? I'm in uh, Houston, Texas. And, Houston. Uh, thank you. Houston, uh, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I feel the same way about, uh, you know, about the, the book podcast and, and your uh, community on the, the Love That Album page. It's uh, a, a real... It's a treat for me to, to, to see you know, so many interesting. Look, it's people. an absolute absolute treat having you on the show because I know that we've gone and typed in lots of messages to each other about you know a variety of film and musical subjects, and um, uh, you know I, I guess where we both first sort of connected musically, uh, you know I, I guess somewhat to my surprise was um, your love and admiration for Australian songwriter Paul Kelly. I mean everyone. In Australia, absolutely, you know, adores his songwriting. You know, it doesn't matter young or old, but um, it, it just really sort of thrilled me to know uh, that uh, you know, somewhere across the oceans, across the other side of the planet, there was someone who cared for his music as as much as I did. And, uh, so, I mean, just give give us a bit of insight. I mean, I know we're here to talk about Richard tonight, but but uh, Paul Kelly, I mean, is he? Does he have some sort of moderate success, you know, up your way, or, or is he still a bit obscure around your parts? You know, what can you well, tell me? Well, you know, it, it, he was he was certainly popular uh, here. You know, when, when I was I was aware of him, uh, I was aware of Paul Kelly and the Messengers when I was in high school, even though that was a bit, a bit you know, kind of before, uh, 
you know, my one, my time, I mean, uh, but, uh, uh, or kind of the early 80s, I was, you know, uh, late 80s in high school, but, uh, but you know, I mean, he certainly had a presence in, in as far as the, the band stuff goes, but my main, uh, my kind of conduit and how I discovered him was, uh, I'd gone to see Wilco uh, when they, they came through Houston on that AM record, yep. and they, uh, and, and Kelly was their opening act. Okay. And he had, you know, he had a band with him and everything, and he played that opening set. I, I was standing next to my boss when, I, you know, I was working at the record store, and I just, my jaw was on the floor the whole time. And the, the uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, seriously, I mean, I enjoyed that much more than, than the Wilco show. <laughs> and, but, in really? although I, I love Wilco, you know, and, and that was such a fantastic thing to see them on that first tour, and, and uh, and you know and I love them, but but that that Kelly thing really turned my head around. But the next morning uh, when I got to work, uh, my boss uh, uh, went to the import section. And he pulled that Paul Kelly live, live 1992 or 1994. I can't remember what it is. Which but, I'm, uh, I'm, pr- I'm proud to say that was a gig recorded, um, a, a gig that I attended with my wife. Oh God! <laughs> that that that, sh- that double album was. I think maybe a couple of tracks were recorded in Perth, uh, where uh, Bad James. Is from, but um, but yeah, the vast majority, if not all, of that album was recorded at a little theatre here in Melbourne called the Athenaeum, and his um, his uh, previous band, which had pre- uh, originally gone by the name of the Coloured Girls and then became the Messengers, basically uh, he, he came out and I think maybe not the very first time, but certainly the first time in a long time where he uh, you know played just himself and a guitar and. You know, there was a lot of sort of wondering, how is he going to turn out? And it, it, it turned out absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, that, I've got a lot of fondness for that album. Well, He's I mean, that Toronto really... on the 17th and the 18th of May. Is he? Yes. Well, go, I, I would urge you to go. I would really urge you to go. I uh, don't know if I'll be able to make it, but I'm tempted. Uh, I'll have to look into it. Mm. i got a couple concerts coming up, so <laughs> it's hard to get in the time off work, right? Uh, right, yeah. Um, oh, of course, because you, you, you have your uh, night time working, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, our, Dave and I got... Uh, we're, we're having this um, typed-up discussion, I think, over Facebook or over Skype a few weeks ago when uh, Paul Kelly and Neil Finn, ex-Crowded House, split ends... Um, uh, the two of them formed, you know, a band of you know family members. So you have Paul Kelly's nephew on on guitar, and uh, Neil Finn's son on drums, and and uh, a bass player who was related to neither of them. Uh, basically, went through both the Neil Finn and Paul Kelly songbook. Uh, nice. I, I was I was fortunate enough to have gotten to see you know that concert in Melbourne at the start of oh about mid February it was my wife and I sort of treated that for our um, for our wedding anniversary that was our uh, a big treat for us and then what was really wonderful was that the two of them after having done this tour of Australia uh, decided that the last concert that they were going to do for the tour which was at the Sydney Opera House was going to be um, webcast. And I don't know if it's still on YouTube, but they said it was like going to be on online for a minimum of thirty days or something like that. So, you know, I sent a note to Dave saying this is on right now, and he said, "Oh, I forgot about the time differences. The time discrepancy. I thought it was my nine o'clock." <laughs> and um, 
so we, we were watching it at the same time and sending each other notes and he was uh, you, you were beside yourself weren't you Dave about uh, oh my god they're doing that song they're doing that song yeah no man it was it was incredible and, and it, it's uh, I think it is still up or what I mean it, it may have been that 30 day thing you're talking about I haven't watched it in the last little bit but uh but it's uh you know it's three hours and just you know it's those those two guys and they, they trade off uh, you know uh, performing their songs or interpreting each other's songs and and uh it's just a really wonderful thing i mean if you want to see two songwriters at i mean it's like beyond the peak of their powers they're they're um you know two people that are comfortable in their own skin and, they, they and, look they certainly are i i, I gotta confess i sort of raised a bit of an eyebrow at um, the last couple of uh, the reformed Crowded House albums. I sort of was wondering whether Neil Finn's songwriting muse had deserted him. And yet, uh, I, I, putting forward the argument, though, it ain't what you have, it's what you do with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I remember he, he put out a solo album, I can't remember how many years ago, called... Uh, uh, one nil, which yeah, I think was a bit of a, a bit of a play on um, uh, New Zealanders' pronunciation of the name Neil. One nil, and um, there was a song in it called "Wherever You Are." But I'd heard from a TV show that he'd recorded in England. Uh, he was just playing that song. I think it was just on guitar or just on piano, and this is before the album had come out, and it was absolutely heartbreakingly beautiful. And then on the album, it was like surrounded with electronics. And I thought, what are you doing? What happened to the absolutely gorgeous, breathtakingly beautiful song that you did on this British TV show? So, um, I don't know. I'd be interested in maybe hearing those last couple of albums of Crowded House Reformation songs, just him and a guitar and a piano. I don't know. but, but just, that's, yeah. that's a good call. I, I had kind of had that, that same thought about some of those those uh, those last couple of records. But, I mean, again, it, it, hearing uh, that... Uh, that live show was a real eye opener for me to, um, uh, into you know how, what a just what a wonderful performer he is. And, yeah, and, and as a, look, he, he's um, the two of them are. It, it's it's really strange to think, but they're I guess you know like um, oh, old masters of the Australian rock scene. I mean, and the thing is, that I'm I'm old enough to remember them when they were like fresh faced. And when Neil uh, Finn and was the scene. ultimate fresh faced. He was yeah. not. He was 19 years old when he joined Split yeah. Ends, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you... and and Paul Kelly before before he started um, his band, The Coloured Girls, uh, he had a couple of albums out with a group called The Dots. Um, and yeah. I got to tell you, neither of those albums did anything for me. And to be honest, I, I don't even think Paul Kelly thinks anything of them because any time he, he, I don't think he's done any of those Dots songs in years. And like in his biography, I don't think there's any mention made of anything to do with that period. So um, I think he, that's a period he'd rather forget. But his his true songwriting brilliance came into being from an album that he put out called Post, uh, which is just him and a guitar and, and a little bit of harmonies and um, yeah, some scary stuff on that, some scary lyrics. But um, I think that's going to have to be the subject of a separate Love That album. <laughs> um, we're you know 11 minutes in and I haven't even announced the album that we're talking about we have mentioned we're talking about Richard Thompson tonight and we're talking about his new album it's called Electric which is a strange name because there's some acoustic stuff on this album I think probably a better title would be Eclectic rather than Electric yeah. um, and 
I, I figured, look, you know what, it's taken me this long to do a Richard Thompson album for the show that I figured, well, a new album was a good a reason as any to, you know, for, uh, or good a choice as any to, uh, to talk about for the show. And I'm, I'm really happy to have in Dave someone who's a fellow Thompson nut who's experienced and in you, John, someone who's really new to the whole yep. Thompson thing. So I'll be interested in both your perspectives. So I guess I'll, I'll ask you, John, first, that, you know, without giving necessarily too much away on your thoughts of the album, but has listening to this sort of inspired you to go much through the back catalogue? I mean, I, I noticed you mentioned that you've listened to Rumour and Sigh, but, um, you know... Rumour and Sigh is it so far. Right. Uh, so so what, were your, what were your initial thoughts on, on Richard Thompson like as a, as a package? What struck you? Because I know that people often so like say that they are either a fan of Thompson the guitar player, Thompson the songwriter, or Thompson, you know, even Thompson the singer. I mean, what was it? Was it the whole package? What, what was it that, that I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot here. I'm assuming that you do like him. I don't know. You might say, look, man, that was the shittiest experience I've ever had. I don't know. What, what, <laughs> so, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? I'll tell you, my initial, okay, well, actually, I didn't come in completely a, a virgin with Richard uh, Thompson. You sent me a playlist. Of right, I did. I'd forgotten about that, yep. So that was a buffer, and I was like, of course, I, I'm, I love song, singer-songwriters. I love, uh, uh, I love that. So, but I wanted to go in fairly clean. Um, you mentioned them about me going in listening without too much baggage, mm-hmm. and I wanted to learn more. So uh, I downloaded the album, uh, put it on my iPod, and I was going to start listening to it. Um, one day. I hadn't gotten around to it, and Shuffle, um, Sally B came up on Shuffle. Right. And uh, my initial impression was I did not like this guy's voice <laughs> at all. Yep. And I was like, oh, dear. Uh, I thought I really liked the stuff um, I was sent, but, oh, man, what if I don't like this album? Um, <laughs> that was the initial impression. I turned out I loved the album and everything, uh, <laughs> but it was a scary moment. I was like, am I going to be on this podcast and just, like, uh, I can't get past his voice, man. It was something about the way he was projecting right. or something. But it just struck a bad vibe of you. I'm totally fine with it now. I love the album. But yep. it was funny. My initial impression, my off the spot was like, oh, my God, I, I, I don't think I can get past the singing. <laughs> you know, I felt that same way for um, initially about Neil Young uh, years ago. And like when he came, there was like a series of four concerts that he did in Melbourne, which people I know are still talking today about them. I think back in 1985, he came here, uh, did a solo acoustic set, did a set with the International Harvesters, did a session, uh, a set with Crazy Horse, played like about four nights at a uh, place in Melbourne uh, called Festival Hall, or as we Melbournians really like to call it, Festering Hall, because it's it's, uh-huh. it's, it's a horrible venue. Um, but, um, you know, it really, it took till I think a few years later when a friend handed me Freedom uh, and said, this is like a, a summary of everything he's done. The rocky side, the acoustic side. If you don't dig this, I'll never bother you about Neil Young again. And all of a sudden, I got it. But prior to that, I couldn't get over the voice. Yeah. Uh, uh, it wasn't even so much the voice, because he's got a nice baritone, right? I think it was it's the style of singing. Right. It was coming off like he, the way he was pro- uh, projecting his voice in such a way. I don't know. It brought to mind church singing or something. Like, uh, or, uh, I was thinking, uh, uh, 
like a guy at a renaissance fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's just, uh, I know I got over that and I don't really hear it as much as I did initially, but that was just, you know, hearing it. I would, I, I did not want to hear any of it until I heard the whole album. Yep. It just happened to come up randomly and it kind <laughs> of, I'm like, ah, oh. but uh, again, that was just an initial thing. And well, I, I think that's, that's interesting actually, because, uh, I, I would say that this is, this is a, a strange, Record for, uh, for to, to to start with on on for, for for Thompson, but also he's doing. I mean, you know, he he does a whole bunch of different styles on this thing. I had actually made a note that, that this album is, it kind of sounds like many moods of Richard Thompson, you know, to a certain extent. So I don't know. That, that that's an interesting take on it, though. That and I, and I can understand how that might be. Um, you know, when he's kind of singing in voice or something, you know, or has a, you know, has a, that certain, uh, that take or, you know, projecting that character in a song or something to how it might be kind of off-putting, like, if you're not used to you know, that. I sort, of, I sort of like to think that, in a way, his voice has probably become more honeyed, more rich in recent years. Uh, I mean, like, if you go back to an album, I don't know, like uh, Henry the Human Fly or any of the early Richard and Linda uh, albums, his, his voice is certainly, to my way of thinking, a lot thinner. Um, I don't know if it's a production thing or... Honey is the right word, I would think. It, the honey was poured on in that song. Yeah. Uh, uh, very much like, like someone seeking to... Uh, to enrich their voice and reject it. Okay, so you're, you're saying you're basically not, not natural. Not natural. Not natural at all. Like he was projecting the, oh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, again, I don't hear it as much as I did initially. It was just, it threw me. I was not expecting, I was not expecting that voice. That might be more, now I'm actually quite fond of his voice. Yes. And Sally, again, you're getting the, that song, that song in particular, he's singing Right, pushing it out there. Yep. So it's not really it's just initial impression. I was pretty scared. Actually, I was going to be the one naysayer <laughs> coming in, going, "Oh, oh man, no, what am I going to say? Just going to shit on every song?" Uh, <laughs> uh, well, look, you know so what? That, uh, uh, going going back to an earlier um, love that album episode, I'd gone and asked uh, my good friend Jeff Smith. Uh, hello, Jeff, out there, if you're if you're listening. And uh, still enjoy uh, regaling yourself from all five nights of Bruce Springsteen that you saw in Melbourne recently. Uh, oh. He, uh, but uh, anyway, we, I'd gone and invited him to come on the show. Like he's been not in a long time, but he made quite a few of the early episodes with me. And uh, like we agreed to do a Suzanne Vega album, and I said to him originally I wanted to do um, uh, Solitude Standing, which um, was you know her second album, and. Uh, he said, yeah, 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 fine, that's a good one, I'll, I'm happy to do that. And then when we got onto the show on the night, he said to me, this isn't the album that I thought I'd originally wanted to do. I actually wanted to do the first one. I hate this record. It's bloody awful. <laughs> and I thought, well, See, that's what I was afraid. But you know what? No, because really, if I, I, I said, no, that's fine, as long as you can articulate... Yeah, why yeah. it is that you don't like it, then it, it's still interesting, you know, as long as you say... Well, there goes part 
be the fear that I would be able to articulate uh, what I just like, you know. Uh, he sounds like a church singer. He doesn't sound like a church singer at all. He doesn't sound like a Renaissance singer either, like a troubadour, but it's something in there. Uh, it is maybe well, true. I would argue that he's, uh, you know, it's an unusual thing that he won some award last year for uh, as like best Americana singer. I'm not sure who the organization was. And yet, despite the fact that he's been living in Los Angeles for like 30 years or something like that, he still sounds very much like a British troubadour. Um, yeah. not, just, not just vocally, but the songs that he writes, they're, they're, that very distinct British style of storytelling. I mean, whatever that so. means. And Sally B is a third, well, we will get to it. We, but we that will. that song in particular, it remind, evoked that style to me. Yeah. Again, Troubadour, maybe I should have just said that. Yeah, like, and I, and I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, but I'm, even that song has grown on me considerably, <laughs> but we'll get to it. Okay, so, Dave, let me ask you, your memory, the first time, you're, you're a long-time Thompson fan, do you have any recollection, like, you know, you mentioned before about Paul Kelly, do you have any recollection the first time that you heard Richard Thompson? Yeah, actually, I do. I mean, I have a pretty distinct memory. I mean, I, I was aware of who he was, but my first, um, immer or well, I mean, what certainly sent me on my immersion to him was that um, when I was at the, the record store that I, I worked at through my 20s, um, I uh, had a, well, I had several, you know, like real music mentors, but my main one, my, my buddy Greg, um, uh, who probably needs to be a guest on your show at some point, um, he, uh, uh, was a real, like I said, real music mentor for me, and they used to, you know, when I was in my early 20s, just kind of go and hang out at his house and, you know, break beer and play records and we shoot the breeze about stuff, and, uh, but, uh, I just really kind of remember him, like, saying, hey, you know, much about Richard Thompson, and, and I'm like, uh, you know, not really, and, and, uh, him saying, well, check this shit out, and, and dropping the needle on that live version of Calvary Cross, and mm. that, that kind of did the trick, so. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but no, I just really kind of, you know, followed it down from there. I mean, it, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, just really being able to, you know, find that artist that has that interesting of a career where you can, um, and, and have those high points and, and, uh, uh, that you can, you know, find out whether it's the Richard Linda stuff and then the solo stuff and everything. But, and, and, you know, in the, the Fairport, Fairport stuff, which I'm not entirely, as familiar with as I probably should be, but but uh, uh, but no, that that was really that, and then and shortly thereafter, I got to see him uh, play live with him uh, at Rockefeller's here in Houston, and, and that was a really you know what uh, mind experience. So. Now, he's, he's just, I'm not sure if he's just gone and completed a tour, he's still doing a tour, but he's, he's going around the country with um, Emmy Lou Harris, I believe. Um, nice. he, he's, uh, well, he's playing next, uh, well, next Friday on my birthday um, oh, wow. in, in Dallas, so uh, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to make the trip up there to, to see him. I don't know, it's, I think that answer is going to be yes, but um, but, I, I would uh, think the, que the I would think the question is not do I go see him. The question is, do I go see him? Like, do I follow him around the country or not? <laughs> well, he's, and he's playing in Austin. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm mad he's not playing here in Houston, but uh, yeah. luckily enough, I've, I've got to see him uh, all five times. I've got to see him. I've, I've been able to see him here in Houston. But, um, but uh, uh, yeah, so um, I'm not, but he's, he's not, but where he's playing at, he, he wouldn't be playing with any load, but but, uh, um, but that that's exciting too. That was, well, we'll get to it later on, but I was kind of wondering if actually any load shows up on on this uh, on this electric record a couple of times I I, I bought it electronically so I don't I don't have uh, no no he he, um, he has um, Alison uh, Crouch oh, yeah Alison Crouch and look I'll I'll make further mention about this later but I I'd say probably one of my criticisms of the record and they're they're not many but one of uh, my criticisms if you have a singer as wonderful uh, as Alison Krauss is you you don't sort of just keep her as a background singer i mean really she you know there, there's another there's another singer on the album uh Seelavan? seal Cyban. i'm not quite sure how Cyban? it's Cyban, yeah. i've forgotten her surname I've mayor her. kennedy mayor kennedy that's right and Ooh. and she's Ooh. like she's a, she's a great singer and all that but when you get to the one song with Alison Krauss, she's indistinguishable from from Cyban. And I mean, I was wondering... just, she's a very Alison Krauss-ish, uh singer. Well, well, yeah, maybe, but the thing is, it's not playing on her strengths. I would have sort of hoped that he might have given her, a, it might have been a duet rather than, okay, you just back me up. I remember seeing um, uh, an episode of a program called Sessions at West 54th. Um, that They used to show it here on late yeah. night TV. Do either of you guys remember that show? Oh, of course, yeah. And... Um, that uh, they had an episode with you know where Richard Thompson was featuring, and it comes to the end of the show, and he's playing uh, uh, 1952 Vincent Black Lightning, and he had on. Oh, of course, once while we're recording, I forget the name who who it was, uh, oh. but he had a really prominent uh, country singer come on and and back him up and all she did was like whenever it whenever it got to the end of each verse all she did was just stand there and go Zoom, like as if she was trying to imitate a motorbike <laughs> and i oh, god i'm feeling like a like a dickhead because i can't remember who it was i'll i'll remember later on and i'll i'll um, interrupt what when you're saying something really important no doubt um oh that that's embarrassing never mind um so um yeah no look anyway uh so you, you said Cavalry Cross was the first thing that you actually heard, was it, Dave? Yeah, that that was. I mean, like like I said, that was kind of the the that uh, introduction to. I mean, you know, for me, and I'll make this short, but but just uh, it, it was one of those things that that uh, you know that kind of you know just kind of burns into your brain type of uh, experiences hearing hearing something for the for the first time that that uh, I really got his. I mean, to me, for, for you know, what is to me his real signature voice with his guitar um that and and it's it's really why you know i mean it, it, he's well he's my favorite guitar player and right. you know with, with him and and I, I would say very similar to, to mark knopfler because they have that oh i mean have, for 100 percent oh have, awesome <laughs> one of my big notes yeah, oh cool okay oh yeah, well may i say david <laughs> gilmore too you, you may uh, I, I don't I, agree but you may say it <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat because I, 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 you know, and I'm, but, but although I don't know enough to say, but, but no, not enough about Gilmore to say, but, um, 
But it's just like, that, that, and that's what I'll always say about why, why those two guys are my favorite guitar players is because it's just like, you know, when I hear it, it's just like, it's like that, that Waterford Crystal. It's just like, it's, it's their voice, you know, so. Um, and, and that's one thing that I've really, you know, followed throughout his, his, his uh, or one thing that's, that, that I've noticed, you know, you know, and that's been a, been a, a sweet spot for me throughout listening to, uh, you know, his, his albums as, as they come out. And, you know, and listening to this record, you know, this current record, and everything, so. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's, it's, he's just been a real joy to follow over the last, you know, 20 years or, you know, yeah, almost going on 20 years now. Um, for me and, and, uh, um, you know, exploring those records and, and, and having some real, just amazing opportunities to see him live and, and, uh, um, yeah, I love him. <laughs> so, so when you, when you've seen him, like you say, you've seen him five times. He's been like a, a number of times to Australia, although not since I think 2004 was the last time, but he's only ever played acoustically. He can't afford to bring a band here. So have you yeah. seen it? Have you seen him play with a band or, or, or just acoustically? The first, the first three times I saw him, uh, yeah, I saw him with a band and I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, uh, what records he would have been on at that point, but, but, uh, in the early nineties, but, but yeah, I, the first few times, the first three times I saw him, uh, was at, uh, he had a full band, uh, in, you know, in a, in a, uh, in a club and everything. And then I saw him play acoustic at the uh, Houston International Festival. And, uh, and the last time, the, the most special time was uh, at a place called the Mucky Duck here in Houston that, uh, um, is a real small joint that, uh, it, it's, it's almost like an open mic night type place, but, right. but it's really, Really, really cool, like high class, like kind of Irish pub type bar. And, uh, but anyway, he was, you know, it, it, he, they announced he was playing there and I called my buddy Greg, who played Calvary Cross for me for the first time. And <laughs> he, and, 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 uh, and I said, dude, you know, uh, Richard Thompson's playing with the duck. And, and he was like, buy, you know, just buy us tickets now. <laughs> so I, I and, and bought us tickets and, uh, we ended up, uh, uh having this, it's just just the way the stage is set. You know, there's stage, and then there's kind of like this big, uh, you know, triangle of tables with the the base of it along the base of the stage. And uh, but there's this huge table that sits up really high at the back of that that triangle. Um, that's a really nice table to sit at if you you know if you get the chance. And my buddy Greg's kind of knows a lot of people. Or well, I mean, he's not. He's just he's, he's well up. And uh, and and he he got us that table. And, uh, and so we're sitting there, like, you know, having our beers and waiting for the show to come on. Right before, so when they announced Richard Thompson's coming on, we're sitting there, you know, drinking our beers at the table, and Richard Thompson comes out of the door behind us, and he puts his arms around and says, how you guys doing? We're both just like, <laughs> uh, we're doing fine. And he's like, right. And then he runs up to the stage and starts playing. Oh, my God. <laughs> it my was dad just had it. But, uh, but anyway, but seeing him perform... Uh, uh, solo in that real, just super intimate space was, was a, I, man, it's it just, it, it, it's something I'll never forget. And, and, uh, and something I wish I had a recorder. <laughs> he, look, he, he's certainly a very, um, he's the sort of player who, because he tells such, uh, small, intimate stories, really, he is, uh, an intimate type of guy, perfectly suited to that environment. But when he's playing with a band, I imagine, um, he, he can adapt to the larger rooms. Oh man, yeah, no, that, that's, I mean, the, 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 and I, I remember, I mean, like the first time I saw him, it was like that, that was the most, like, the biggest room I saw him in, and, and, uh, it was, 
a full tilt buggy, you know, like what what you hear. Uh, oh, you know, I mean, if you've heard some of the, those, uh, I mean, there's plenty of legal bootlegs out there, you know. That, I mean, he sold them, you know, but like that duck nap or uh, uh, more guitar or whatever. That those those couple of things uh, uh, that are you know the real kind of heavy duty electric, you know, full band shows. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, he he can. Yeah, he can, he can he can go high, he can go real low. <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's it, he's an amazing artist. Well, I'll just briefly um, before we go off to break, I'll just sort of briefly recount. I think the first time that I got to hear Richard, because it you know still strikes me as it, it's like an epiphany. Um, I, I, years and years ago, I think maybe 1990, 91 thereabouts, um, there was a radio show I used to listen to a lot. It's still going. Um, but I haven't listened to it in a long time. It's called Off the Record uh, on one of our local public radio stations. And the guy who hosted the show was always talking about this Richard Thompson guy, and I never sort of paid it much mind. Um, but I think it was in a, a, a record store, CD store, um, uh, at one one time, and I saw this three-CD anthology set called Watching the Dark. You You probably would have had that in your record store, wouldn't you, Dave? Yeah, that's a weird one, but, but yeah. Uh, I know some people think so, but I I, I love it. I, I love the way how it's arranged. But um, anyway, I, I went in and thought, well, all right, well, they're always talking about this Richard Thompson guy on the program. Uh, and I went, took the CD up to the counter, said to the lady, look, can you please, you know, I don't care. It was a three CD, so I put any one of them on, I don't care. Just I want to give it a bit of a listen. And the first song that came on was a tune called Al Bowley's In Heaven. Awesome. And, and you know, I thought, wow, my God, you know, th- this guy was, he was a triple threat. I mean, we've already gone and spoken about you know, the voice, which I didn't sort of realize so much at the time. But my, my sister, who I went to see Richard on, you know, in concert with one time, you know, she was attracted to the voice beyond anything. And, and it was certainly unusual, if nothing else at the time, I thought. But the songwriting... Um, I, I think I've spoken with you, Dave, before that uh, Thompson is um, a filmmaker disguised as a songwriter because he painted a picture here. This this story, uh, Al Bolly's in Heaven, was about this guy who he's um, a returned World War II veteran. He comes back to England, um, I guess pretty much like uh, the veteran in... Uh, Bruce Springsteen's born in the USA. He comes back and no one wants to know him. Uh, but, of course, this song is, in you know, my way of thinking, far more eloquent. Uh, but, you know, he comes back and no one wants to give him a job. He's got nowhere to stay. He's got to sort of stand in soup lines. He sleeps in the park, you know, sunshine or snow. And life has really dealt him this raw, this really bad blow but he recalls the times like during the war when he was on leave he'd come back in his snazzy uniform he'd be off at the dances and Al Boli the orchestra leader would be there you know conducting the orchestra to make the dance music that he could dance with the beautiful women to of course the war's over Al Boli's dead and his own life is going down the shit and just this story and I've played this song I'd say hundreds of times and it still has this effect on me. But if you can imagine the effect that this song had to me, had, had on me the first time I heard it, just sitting there in that little booth in this CD shop. Uh, I was just, you know, really only wanting, originally thinking, oh, I'll listen to a couple of songs to see what I think. And I stayed there and I listened to the whole 
damn CD, you know, like all 60, 70 minutes of it. And by the end, I said, here, it was, a, it was an expensive three CD set, but walking out of that shop with, without it was not an option. Uh, that's awesome. That's, awesome. that's awesome. Yeah, and, and that, that's, uh, yeah, and, 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 and if, if, yeah, if I, did, if I didn't mention that, 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 I mean, that, that aspect of his songwriting is, is really a, a distinct appeal for me, too. That, 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 I mean, just the, the kind of, the, the, I mean, how he paints that picture in, in uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, no, I, I, I completely agree. That's a wonderful, wonderful story. About which, which is, Probably, I guess, coming back to Paul Kelly, I guess that's yeah. something that the two of those guys have in common because they both are great storytellers. I mean, Paul Kelly isn't the musician that Richard Thompson is, but um, every bit his equal in the um, storytelling department for sure. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, that, that's the that's that's the thing. Yeah, that, that's uh, um, yeah. It, it, I mean. Yeah, that ability is is uh, is something that I don't think is is, is so, <laughs> you know, and that, that's not that's something that's kind of in short drift these days, and, and probably needs to be uh, propped up more. <laughs> yeah, you bet. It's or at least it's not a uh, not not something that's uh, um, heralded as much as it should be, you know, in, in, uh, mm. in our culture. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we are now at the um um. Oh, what? Oh, hang on. Where is it? Where is it? I don't know. Thirty minute mark, something like that. Hang on. What do I? Oh, thirty six minute mark. We're at the thirty six minute mark, guys. And we haven't discussed anything yet about the album. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a a quick break, uh, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh in in some detail Richard Thompson's album Electric. Um, and actually, I should probably also uh just point out, because I, I, I should always do this at the beginning of the show, I never seem to remember to do it, but um, uh, my good friend and regular contributor to uh, Love That Album, uh, Eric Reanimator, uh, will awesome be guy. on later on in the show, and he'll be, uh, he, the latest recording that he's going to be talking about uh, in an album that I love segment is actually a band that he spoke about in, on the last program when we were doing our Shooting the Shit session, uh, he's going to be talking about a group called Animal Bag, and uh, they released... Uh, precisely one album and one EP in their short tenure, and he's talking about the EP, and it just sounds absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm going to have to track this down because uh, uh, the the snippets that he plays really appeal to me. So, um, but anyway, he's always on point. He certainly so, is. Uh, yeah, he's uh, great recommendations. Mm. Mm. And stuff. He knows. He, Oh, look, there have been times that I've spoken about this with uh, John Sterrett, who also does shit in the shit with us. Uh, he, he lives in Sydney. There are times where when Tim Merrill and Eric <laughs> start getting into conversation about every obscure band that they remember from the 80s and the, and the 90s from you know their area, you know, like John and I just sit back and let them talk because we're thinking, we're just a couple of dumb Aussies. We don't know who the hell they're talking about. But yeah, he's <laughs> absolutely, his recommendations are always spot on. And he knows and loves his music, so um, I'm really honoured and grateful that you know we keep getting these uh, contributions to the show. So uh, anyway, keep keep listening out. Later on in the show, Eric will be um, uh, presenting his segment, an album that I love, talking about the band Animal Bag. Uh, but before we start talking about electric, I think I need to go get myself a glass of water, and uh, so we'll have a bit of a break, and then uh, uh, myself and. John and Dave will be back to talk about Richard Thompson's latest album, Electric. You're listening to Love That Album. We'll be back shortly. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? 
Do you like podcasts where a guy talks about movies? It's not that very encouraging, but okay. You should tune in to Justin Oberholter's Filmwave, where each week I reveal a couple of movies and whatever else comes to mind. Now, does that sound good? Really? What if I got you a celebrity endorsement? Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone. Listen to Justin Oberholter's Filmwave. This guy's the cinematicist. He watches all the films and stars Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ah, much better. So tune in to Justin Oberholter's Filmwave. Go to freakingawesomenetwork.com, filmwave.lipson.com, or subscribe on iTunes. And we're back from break. Morris here in Melbourne. John there in Canada. Dave there in Texas in the US of A. So I think we made the joke before we went on air uh, that we have an Australian, a Canadian, and an American talking about a Brit. And, and the barman yep. said, what is this, some sort of joke? <laughs> or words that effect. I don't know. It worked when my son told it to me anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll quit at that point. So we're here to talk about Richard Thompson's latest album, Electric. And as I said at the start of the show, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that it took 42 albums, oh, 42 albums, 42 shows to get to talk about Richard Thompson, considering how high I value his songwriting and how much he's meant to me musically over the last, um, you know, 23, 24 odd years or so. But, um, the fact that he had a new album, and I always treated every one of his albums over that period of time, every time he's released a new album as like a real occasion i mean i don't know in this day and age where you can get anything you want really quickly and you can download it and you uh, you don't have to wait terribly long i wonder whether people still treat a new record as with a sense of occasion but you know for for someone as special as thompson to me anyway uh, it's it's really really exciting um so yeah, I, I basically thought, well, look, you know, if we haven't covered him till now, and you know, it, it would have been a really hard thing to sort of decide, well, you know, what am I going to narrow it down to? What album do I want to talk about, or what album can I find someone else to agree to talk about? Well, I thought, well, new album, it's completely clean slate. We'll talk about that. It'll have, it'll hopefully have all the usual Thompsonisms that we like, and um, you know, fortunately, this album, it's. It's ref- it's fresh, and yet it's familiar all at once. Um, and I've, I've maybe it's all fresh got a- to me, buddy. Well, yeah, indeed. <laughs> Look, I, I don't know how, how you feel. I mean, before we quickly go into the album, we've got to keep this real quick. But uh, Dave, did you hear the last album, Dreamatic? You know, I, actually, I, I I have not heard that one. Uh, I I, uh, um, I I just didn't get. I, I don't know, and I have no excuse. <laughs> well, look, you know, for for some reason, and I really can't pinpoint well maybe i can pinpoint why i i don't like it i i mean yeah. maybe i need to give it another list and i got there were like a couple of different versions of the album that came out there was like the main one he, he recorded the whole album live but it was all new material so uh-huh. a bit like joe jackson's big world album so sure. he, just, he just chose to give it a bit of a live vibe you know with a full band but i also got the addition that had a second disc where it was the whole album all over again, but just the acoustic demos. And I liked that somewhat better than the Electric album, but I, I mean, it, it's surely not the lyrics because, you know, Thompson's wit and sharpness is, you know, there as per usual, 
but just musically, I really thought, for me, there was it didn't feel warm. It, it, I think he was sort of like going more for the um, for the, the the guitar role, you know, Richard Thompson, the guitar god, rather than Richard Thompson, the creative songwriter. And I just found it very disappointing. I mean, look, I'd never get rid of it out of my collection because it's a Richard Thompson record, but yeah. I I don't think I've played it since the initial like three or four times I gave it a chance when I first bought it. So, uh, you know, I love him enough that I was never sort of going to say, right, Electric, mm, I better check it out first before I buy it. It's just, no, I buy it. It's a Richard Thompson album. But I was sort of thinking, is it going to be more like that or is he going to return to form? And for mine, I think he has returned um, return to form. Well, maybe not even necessarily returned to form. I think that just, for me, that was, a, you know, Dreamatic was somewhat of a blip. But... Um, uh, well, let's let's get into the songs themselves. We'll we'll um, start off as one should with the first song on the album, and um, oh, I, we haven't mentioned yet that um, this album was uh, produced by uh, a guy who's you know, no slouch in the songwriting or guitar playing department himself, Mister Buddy Miller. And, uh, yes, <laughs> you you got either of you guys fans of Buddy Miller? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And I found it strange uh, that this album, uh, he, he's uh, Robert Plant's the main producer, right? R- well, for the last couple of albums. Oh, actually, no, yeah. for, the, for the Band of Joy. For the Band of Joy, I think he was, yeah. T-Bone Burnett oh. did the... the T-Bone Burnett did the um, did. the Raising Sand album. But well, I think... that's what this album reminds me of a lot, actually. Not a lot, but about half of it. Maybe a lot. I get a lot of Raising Sand... Uh, Okay. Uh, so the stripped down sound, not to spoil it in some songs, but uh, I I forgot that T Bone produced Raising Sand. I was like, oh, because I you know went and looking at the information up after I've listened to the albums, who's what's what, right? And yep. I'm like, oh, that explains why I get that vibe, you know. And you see it, Allison Krauss, and uh, uh, and then I was like, my note here says uh, Buddy Miller, Robert Plant's producer, strangely. No Raising Sand direct connection, like, because T-Bone was the actual producer. Right. But I found that connection kind of... But, yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure uh, Buddy Miller and T-Bone move in the same circles and... uh, Yeah, sure, but actually he's not anything to do with that album, Uh, Buddy. Yeah, right, right. But... um, So, anyway, so uh, this... uh, so yeah, we we may mention, and, and I, I think I read in um, an interview that uh, so the, the whole album was recorded at Buddy's home studio, and yep. he basically said, you know, this wasn't so much as me sitting in the producer's chair as me getting a free two week guitar lesson from Richard Thompson. <laughs> and, and yeah, no amazing because I've I've seen Buddy Miller perform here in Australia when he was playing with um, with Spy Boy, uh, Emmylou Harris's band. And uh, man, that guy knows his way around around a fretboard, and you know, he's an incredible voice to boot. So, um, so yeah, well, for, for him to uh, be praising Richard is uh, uh, something special indeed. I'd say that that's that's one big thing about this album is that it, it is is I mean, kind of a unifying thing for me is is, is Miller's production of it, it and I, I think it, it sounds. I mean that. Um, but it all, I mean, it does all sound real intimate. And I mean, I understand that it's, it's a very small band and everything, but, but, but it's, it's, it's real, it's, it's intimate sounding and it's real, uh, um, immediate. You know, it sounds like you're, you're in the room with it. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it, it, it kind of 
shimmering production that he's got a little bit, you know, on, on his uh, well, at least on fifty-five. But anyway, yeah, no, I think that's that's a, a big, <laughs> of, of, you know, it, it's a big part of this record from that day. All right, so we'll we'll talk uh, first of all about um, the opening song on the album. This is called Stony Ground. Let's hear a clip. Gone. Long Thoughts Stony here comfortably, Mr. Thompson will now regale us with you know, a story that's funny and tragic all at once, <laughs> which is, you know, his basically his stock in trade. Um, and really, this this song, uh, you know, coming back with the filmic analysis, I think would work as either, you know, an art house English film or as, a, you know, I don't know, maybe an episode of some uh, you know, British TV show. Uh, what's the story about in this song? It's about a randy senior citizen who falls hard for the widow across the street. She doesn't share his enthusiasm, so her brother and his goons kick the living shit out of him. Bam! A whole story told in four minutes, but, you know, using Richard Thompson's incredible gift of how he tells the story. So, gentlemen, your thoughts on this lovely little fairy tale from, uh, from Richard Thompson? So, my note on Stony Ground here, uh, I have a uh, ribald humor. I don't know, is that how you say it? <laughs> ribald? Uh, not sort of ribald or ribald or... Ribald or, humor? Yes. Uh, uh, very, ben, not, very Benny Hill. Very much so. <laughs> teeth knocked out, still dreaming of her, you know what? <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> In, in a I way, this, 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 I, I would have suggested they played this song of uh, silver and gold between, um, between yeah. uh, breaks. This is fitting perfectly. I want to go around talking about everyone's honey pot after listening to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and we all know after, that honey, honey pot is uh, rhyming slang. You know, that whole British concept of rhyming slang. Sure, honey, honey pot. T W A T, you know, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> or is it T W A coffee? I don't know. The Cockney rhyme scheme. Yes, indeed. Uh, actually, I never really thought about that because <laughs> it doesn't really need. Uh, it doesn't need to be yeah. a single, <laughs> you know, a, a double, a single entendre, whatever. Uh, it's pretty good as is. Yes, yes. So yeah, this is one of the things I was looking at forward to uh, just from your descriptions of I was looking forward to the storyteller because right. you know Vincent Black Shadow really jumps out when you listen to a bunch of a playlist of Richard Thompson songs right that type of the, like you said the mini movie the, the story which this is too but it is also the the wittiness 
is not really in. Well, I guess uh, this little humor, I was what I was missing is what I was looking forward to, to hearing, and I get it in this song, the opener. When I hear "Stony Ground" t- as a title track, yep, and I see it's a you know musician who's been in the business for forty years or so, I'm expecting some down tempo thing about being dead and gone or you know watching your friends uh, and then it, it turns out to be about a horny old man <laughs> trying to trying to get some action yeah and uh i loved it <laughs> great opener a great opener to the album i really love hearing you, know, you as a thompson newbie that you had that expectation thwarted you know because yes you you could have expected yeah he's um an archival act and oh yeah he's probably going to talk about the people he's missed along the way and and yeah, yeah I, I love yeah. that you had that expectation for stony ground man that just sounds like a title you know that would be on american recordings or uh <laughs> or even uh ray willie hubbard <laughs> you right. know grifter's hymnal like it's just uh but no it's uh, yeah totally defied expectations well it's interesting that you bring him up because when we had our discussion last year about that very songwriter, um, the thing that struck me so evidently was he was—he really was such a great storyteller. Um, yeah, oh yeah. So I, I, th- I think you probably you're destined to come on all the programs where you know we have songwriters who have um, many films to to tell or, or to show. Yeah, that's, I'll, I mean, that's what it's about, man. I love the stories. Yeah, that's- <laughs> So, so Dave, your your thoughts about this? Um, well, just on the uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard note, I I, uh, I just wanted to I, I neglected to tell you how much I love that show and and also love that man and love that album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's uh, yeah that that is that is something else, man. He he is he is really great. I I was just thinking about it the uh, um, this time last year. I I got to, I was uh, I saw him live. But anyway, um, well, um, yeah, rub well, it in, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Texas is a big place. Come live here. <laughs> but, More uh, Ray Willie Hubbard, but, you know, I don't know if that means going to make the move to Texas. <laughs> uh, snake farm. Anyway, um, but, uh, um, well, I, you know, one of the things I was going to say about this, this this song is, is yeah, it's just a, um, yeah, it's a job, and, it, it's you know, it's stomping and, and uh you know, I, I love his growl on the chorus. That that, uh, uh, um, but uh, you know, and this is kind of maybe the, the closest on the record that that it, it's to that that um, you know kind of uh, that voice that that Thompson voice that I love that uh, kind of you know not behind your back type uh, 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 just black humor. Um, but uh, but no, I mean it, it's. I think it's it's really cool. The production sounds really great. I mean, I like that the, the kind of bass drum bump that kind of got everything going. And, it know, it really it really does sound like a it, it sounds like a big recording, doesn't it? It's yeah. it's it's not like um like his album of I don't know was it maybe eight nine years ago uh, the old kit bag, uh, which sounded like it was recorded in a small room mm-hmm. very closed mic this sounds like he's almost recording in a big barn but it it doesn't sound like he like it's meant for a big stadium it sounds big but not impersonally big if that makes any sense yeah no no it does make sense and that, i think that's what i was saying about about um about buddy miller's production is that it's like he can he, he like gets this 
big sound, but it's like real compressed and real like it's just so powerful. You know, it's just like all those. You know, it's like a heartbeat or something like that. It's all all those those uh you know those sounds are just like really uh, just intense and like you know all you know right there for the for the, for the song and, and but yeah no it's it's I mean it is a funny song and and uh, um, and, and that that kind of you know just rob all humor and and uh, uh, you know yeah so it's great you know but again you know it's kind of the start of this the thought I had about this record about you know that you know the mini movie Richard Thompson you know <laughs> he kind of goes through a whole bunch of, of his stuff. And, Look, he, anyway. he certainly um, has had a, a very wicked sense of humour over the years. I'll tell you a like, just very quick little story. When he was in Melbourne, uh, I don't know, 2000 or maybe 1999, I can't remember, but about roughly about that period, he did um, an in-store appearance in one of our CD stores here in Melbourne, Basement Discs. And he was doing like a Q&A, not actually doing like a performance, but, you know, so the place is packed out and anyone who could think of a question, you know, would come and ask and he was pretty generous with his answers. And uh, actually, you might like this, John, seeing as you've just listened to Rumour and Sigh, I asked him how on earth it was that he came to write the song Psycho Street, which is uh, the final... I mean, that song is absolutely hysterical. And he said, well... Um, that song was um, sort of, uh, he, he took inspiration from uh, an Australian soapy called Neighbours. I don't know, you know how, oh, how, neighbors. how prominent <laughs> it is over there. You know, Kylie Minogue got her start on yeah, on, yeah. on Neighbours and the show is still running like, I don't know what, 30 years later or something like that. But he wanted to, he wrote this song, Psycho Street, which was not about the, the typical friendly, smiling neighbour that you see next door. There's all these really weird and strange characters and he part of his stock and trade is not just storytelling but he, he, he does brilliant character analysis and the guy in this song you know the randy senior citizen who has got his mind in the honey pot even when he's had the shit kicked out of him he's really quite a character and he's just got like a little turn of phrase here and, and there and you fully understand you know this guy you can picture this guy um and that, that's that's really the storytelling and the characterization is his stock in trade. You know, we go back to 1952, Vincent Black Lightning, and he, you know, you you know that um, uh, Red Molly, you know, the, the the shock of red hair, and you can you can picture her. You know what you know what she's like, and and uh, you know, and James, he's yeah. he's a, he's the bad guy with a with the motorbike jacket, he's the adventurous guy. But you can see the two of them on the back of that 1952 Vincent Black Lightning. And he just, you know, a little word here and a little line there. And he, he just, he really knows how to write his characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like, the, I mean, the lines in the song, Wood has got a brother, Henson too, a pair of gorillas from the London Zoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, this is a, it's a fun song, and it's and it's just stomping, and, and yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. It'd be it'd be a great live number. Um, yeah, I tell you what, yeah. go see go see him on Friday night. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At that point, we'll um we'll move on to um the second song on the album, which you know after such a raucous foot stomping opening, um it's quite an interesting place to go. Yeah, so the, the next track is uh, considerably quieter. This is a little tune called Salford Sunday. <laughs> 
Sunday, skies are weeping, dawn is creeping through the blind. Soft it's Sunday, and I'm making for the night I left behind. Soft it's Sunday, morning after, bass drum beating. My head, Sunday papers, talking scandal on a cold side of the bed. I don't know if this is just because I'm a Canuck, and uh, but this song, from the first time I heard it, I was like, "Hey, this is very, you know, depressing, sad song to follow up Stony Ground," and B. Does this singing ever sound like Gordon Lightfoot on this song? <laughs> now, I don't, do you guys know Gordon Lightfoot? I know the name. I've never listened to Gordon Lightfoot. I must be yeah, so Dave? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know him. Uh, I probably wouldn't have uh, like spotted that. Um, uh, but, but, uh, um, but again, you know, I think I've said about 40 times, but, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I would say that this, this record is the many moves of Richard Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of great storytellers there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, I love Gordon Lightfoot is one of yeah, the yeah. greatest. Or, well, he's pretty damn good. He's still kicking yeah. it, like at 70, whatever. Yeah. Apparently no, looking I, very frail. That's, that's, a, that's a cool observation. And, uh, and not something that I that I made up but, uh, but now that's, that's cool. But you know, no, go ahead and your thoughts. Uh, uh, yeah, that was my main observation, and it's a very uh, nice but sad song. No, look, I look, this this song really appealed to me. This song, but I mean, it's uh, I guess it's nothing new. But no, look, there, there are some artists who uh, do things which are highly identifiable, and you sort of think, yeah, well, they're not really treading any new ground here, and it's a little bit dull. But even though this sort of like goes uh, in some ways, it's very identifiable in Thompson, and yet maybe this is. I know. I was going to say it, it, it's certainly as a lyrically, it's very British, but musically, it has it has that <laughs> American. Because of all the rain. Sorry, because <laughs> of all the rain talk. Uh, well, yes. I mean, well, that, that's a su- the rain is a sunny day in, in London. Don't you know? so, yeah, <laughs> said he who's never lived there. But I did. I did travel there. Um, but no, it, it's but it definitely musically has more of an American country feel. To me, than a British folksy sort of feel, um, it's, or a Canadian yeah. folk rock appeal, as well, it were. With, uh, right, oh well, yes, uh, with your with your light foot comparing. So, and this is where I certainly got to think the first time I heard it that the album should be called Eclectic rather than Electric, because I was really <laughs> prepared for an album full of you know foot stomping or or at least you know loud guitar solo type rockers and. and this uh, as this song and a few songs at the back end of the album show it's it's anything but that um but i i, I like once again you know, the story of he's, he, he paints a picture not necessarily a story but it's a character study uh you know, painting the picture from the perspective of a guy waking up on a sunday morning after a presumably 
fight-ridden Saturday night. He's now he's walking around with a hangover and the regret for you know this argument that he's had. Um, it, it's it, I guess it's a common tale for use of a lot of songwriters. You know this tale of the next day's regret, but it, once again, it's all how you know, how Richard Thompson paints the picture. And you know, like read. You read some of these lyrics, you know, Salford Sunday, skies are weeping, you know, do your rain. Dawn is creeping through the blind, Salford Sunday, and I'm aching for the night I left behind. And, you know, it, there doesn't seem to be on the surface anything particularly revelatory about that, but just don't confuse simple language for not being effective songwriting. It's really just the order, how he puts these things. It's almost like, you know, he can say, I can tell a simple story. I can paint a simple picture and it will still sound beautiful together. And I, I just think he's really nailed it here. Yeah, it does resonate. You're right. A man, a few words, paints a nice picture still, you know. Mm. And look, I mean, there have been songs that he's done in the past and certainly you'll discover this, John, you know, if you go through the back catalogue that he has uh really gone and painted things in a far less simple way and because he's also so incredibly well read um, he, he paints allusions to uh, you know, things in literature which you know I'll, I'll probably never get but even <laughs> here where he's keeping things simple for my level um, I still find it really just a few words just beautifully composed, really beautifully put together. Uh, and I think this is the first track where we might hear um, the aforementioned Cyburn Ma Kennedy on uh, duet vocals. And um, yeah, she, she does a beautiful uh, a beautiful job here singing very sympathetically. But it's definitely background vocals. It's not, this is no duet. Um, oh no, it's harmonies. She, it, strictly harmonies. And, yeah. and that's when they, it starts evoking uh, some of the quieter tracks off of you know some of the robert plant centric tracks off of raising sand right it's when it starts to evoke that that album for me again the stripped back nature of some of those tracks and some of these tracks yes i get this that's where i get the comparison steps in for me mm. this song and uh more so uh well we'll get to it <laughs> so um so dave any of your thoughts about this song beyond oh, yeah. You know, I was going to say, just like lyrically, it's it's it's, it's one of those things that you know. It, again, it, it's it's how you know, uh, just just talking as a songwriter and 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 how blunt it is and how short it is. I mean, I think really suits the story he's trying to tell. Um, that it's 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 really. Uh, I, I think it, you know one of the one of the key things for me is is that that. Uh, um, the, the ends of the chorus there, but it's just like, if, you know, if I wasn't such a hard nose, if I wasn't such a perfect waste of the time. It's yep. just like the, the character, the, I mean, the narrator of this song just like has absolutely no time for himself. And, and, uh, uh, is, and is, is, you know, regretful and, 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 uh, so I don't know. It's just like the, the, the whole thing works. You know? <laughs> it's I, brutal, I guess, know? I guess what I'm, what I really like about, you know, him as a songwriter and what he does here is he doesn't try to resolve anything. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. No, and, and please, you go ahead. No, no I, I mean, it's <laughs> nothing, nothing particularly revelatory, but it just, um, I, I guess, you know, there's a, 
a lot of uh, songwriters might have sort of like gone and painted a bleak picture, but by song's end would say something about, uh, but I'm going to improve myself and I'm going to be a better man to my woman and we're going to make up and kiss and it's all yeah. going to be better than it ever was. And that's just not Richard's way. No, yeah, no. I mean, he, he, he you know, it's, it's that, that, uh, brushstroke of, of, uh, and, you know, and, and uh, that, that's what, a lot of his, why a lot of his work is just so much more honest. Even, you know, I mean, I know we're not talking about the, the you know, his past work or whatever, but like. No, make, even, make the comparisons if you can. Well, you know, on, on like Shoot Out the Lights and everything, you know, I mean, a lot of the, the you know, I mean, the, the, the songs on, on those, you know, sort of the Richard, Richard Linda records were, I mean, it's an obvious, you know, open, raw nerd. And they're, you know, they're working shit out in the studio. Yes. Uh, I mean, and there's no, I mean, you know, there's no, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, solution offered in those songs. It's just like, hey, you know, look, this is, you know, we're, we're people that are in a relationship and we're, <laughs> we're in real bad shape and we don't quite know what to do because, mm. you know, both have, you know, like, well, I mean, shit, there's a song on that record called Strange Relationship. That's pretty yes. good. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, yeah, no, and, and that, that's one of the reasons that, that, you know, I just adore his songwriting so much, uh, you know, and especially on that subject, is because it doesn't, you know, it's adult music. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, offer you that, that, uh, it's, you know, it, you know, and, and as much of a, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm about the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan as you can possibly get, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not Thunder Road. I mean, those, you know, those two lanes aren't going to take us anywhere. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's true. That's true. But, but this still has its charm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, uh, move on to John's favorite song on the album, Sally B. <laughs> Sally B. Oh, Sally B. Oh, you make my heart flutter when you drag me from the guards of Sally B. Sally B, oh Sally B, I'm a working man truly, but you know how to woo me, Sally B. Sally B, oh Sally B, now the bank's repossessing, it's hard times of guessing, Sally B. Oh, you got the style, the touches the people, you got the style. Hey man, I've said most of what I, uh, I'm good, no. For those um, who came in late. <laughs> um, I do believe that the song ends up being quite a nice little uh, jam session at the end with uh, I don't know, just showcasing some nice drum work playing, but you gotta say the drummer on this album. His, uh, name, his name is Michael Jerome. Michael Jerome has been drumming with him for like something like ten years now. I mean, and I, before I think, that, this guy lived in the '90s, man. Tony better than Ezra. Uh, so I know nothing about. Is, is that who he played with before? Yeah, Sugarland like a bunch of uh, super uh, proto and post grunge bands. 
<laughs> it, it's strange. It never occurred for me to sort of like look up his background. That's, uh, that's yeah, because he's ambidextrous and he can drum. Because of that, he can uh, drum like unlike other drummers. He can use both hands. Wow, he's pretty interesting. Unlike the guy, from, unlike the guy from um, uh, Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Every drummer that has two arms. <laughs> well. He's the drummer for better, better than Ezra. That just cracks me up. <laughs> oh, he, he might have had an epiphany. Maybe he's, maybe he's drumming for a songwriter. Is, is cool. I mean, I, li- I like his drumming. Don't get me wrong. He's, uh, it stands out, and especially on uh, when the folk, when the the singing for Sally B bugged me. Yeah, I had to latch on to something, so I was just <laughs> that drumming. Uh, but sir, I don't. So, I don't mind the song. It was just that initial impression. I was going to say, like, one, one thing that I've missed out of speaking about Salford Sunday, and this is contrasted with you know, Sully Big, is, um, and it probably applies to a lot of Richard's work in general, you know, those of us who sort of, you know, cite him as being, you know, like, a guitarist, guitarist, and uh, a, a bona fide guitar hero, and yet for him the song always comes first, and if the song doesn't need a guitar solo, or it doesn't need it, at least a flash guitar solo. He doesn't put it on. You know, it, well, it's, for him, he serves a song. And on Salford Sunday, it's just a nice, simple little tune that you know, feasibly any uh, any reasonable guitarist could play, you know, any finger-picking guitarist could play. Whereas you know, he starts to break out the uh, the guitar hero chops a bit on solo D. Again, that's that uh, that Knopfler and Gilmore comparisons. That uh, kind of the the guitar master that can step out of the way, that can play a soulful long stretch. Uh, it doesn't need to have a you know a flashy solo right every thirty seconds. That's that's where uh, his guitar playing off this album reminds me of those two. In particular, I forgot to make mention because you know how I said before I didn't think that Gilmore's playing reminded yeah. me of Thompson, but yet um, one thing that just sort of occurred to me was I've, I've got this um, uh, David Gilmore live DVD playing uh, at I think the Meltdown Festival of a, a few years ago in London, and one of the songs that he does is this is the only song that I'm performing on the night that has nothing to do with my solo career or Pink Floyd, and it's a Richard Thompson song, Dimming of the Day. Um, and does a really gorgeous version. He has like a gospel choir singing behind him, and uh, and Gilmore gives it a really beautiful treatment. So, you know, hell, what do I know? (laughs) It it probably is a valid comparison. At least we know that Gilmore's a fan. I got some uh, more Gilmore comparisons on the next track, too, so... (laughs) Well, let's let's give a little bit of talk about about the song Sally B. Anyway, so uh, your um, your thoughts, Dave? Uh, well, I think it's really cool. Uh, it's uh, I, I mean I, I do love that. Uh, there's a bit there's a line towards the about three quarters of the way through. It's just like it still hypnotizes the masses, and how many stumpers can uh, can cause such a rumpus with a smile and the shape of the chassis. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yep, yep. I awesome. made I made a note of that. It it, it sounds like. Um, this is uh, one of his cutting songs, you know, because he's always been famous for writing these really sarcastic, nasty little songs like, you know, Put a There, Pal, uh, or I'll Crawl Back Under My Stone. Yeah. And, and uh, on this one, it sounds you know, like he's um, uh, singing to some politician who's uh, doing doing the uh, promotional rounds 
and you know that crown of thorns suits you. You're my hope for the future. I, I, I yeah, just want no, big ouch. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's totally that 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 uh, you know. I, I always had that that uh, you know. I think of that that like Pittsburgh Queen song on on Mock Peter or whatever, and you know, it always it, it I always think it's like Thompson is that writer, you know, as a songwriter with a big smile on his face and mouth behind his back, mm. and that. It, it, it seems like it's how a lot of this songs come across, but but uh, uh, but yeah, no, it's this is good. And, I mean, you know, just great guitar, and uh, uh, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's 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 a real cool song, and, and you know, and again, in a different style than all the other songs on the record. And it, if if nothing else, I mean, if if the listener takes nothing else away from this part of the discussion, this song rocks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't yeah. want to talk, if you don't want yeah. to talk about the clever lyricism that, and there is plenty of it in here, but but um, this is as probably as hard and loud as Richard gets, and and well, he, he really does rock. I'd love to have heard this one played live. This this I mean this album does rock. I think yeah. <laughs> it, it, I agree. Yeah. The only other thing I sort of wanted to add to this, and this is not so much about Thompson per se, but you know, given that uh, Australia is unfortunately in an election year, and um, the politics are going to get very, very nasty, um, I'm, I'm just going to be thinking of this song the entire time. Chances <laughs> are, neither of the prime ministerial candidates will have heard of it. Um, but uh, that's, uh, I suspect that that's all I'm going to be thinking of. Um, it's a great to to to, to re-listen to the song to there. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so let's move on to the next song on the album, and I actually see the next song uh, as a bit of a companion piece to Sally B. I'll I'll say why I think in a in a minute, but um, let's have a bit of a listen to uh, the next song uh, or a bit of the next song. It's called "Stuck on the Treadmill." <laughs> this album digitally and yep. I was like uh, did I ha- accidentally load it uh, alphabetically because just looking at all the tracks are S's right maybe that doesn't make sense either. it doesn't start randomly at S alphabetically oh my, go- my goodness you're but, right but uh, yeah up to this point every song is an S song and I thought that was just so weird I had but, noticed yeah. that how about that by gum you're right that's why I had you on this show because you got to be little Little brilliant little Yeah, well, it changes after this song, but yeah, the first half of the album is all S tracks. How about that? So, Richard Thompson should be a guest on Sesame Street. Hello. <laughs> here's, here's Richard 
of today's show brought to you by the letter S. He's gonna this rock and album brought to you by S. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna sing you a song about a random senior citizen who has his mind in the So okay, uh, stuck on the stuck trip. on the trip. And well, um, that is a funky jam. I I, I love stuck on the treadmill, but um, not so much for the lyrics. Uh, which I think are pretty straightforward and typical. When I said uh, I had another Gilmore in comparison to this one, oh, yeah. I think lyrically it mines the same territory as say, something like Breathe from Dark Side of the Moon or something. Yep. Yep. You know, it's just all about working through the day, you know, not getting anywhere, you know, whatever. Uh, but I don't think lyrically is not, lyrics aren't the reason for this song. This is just a, a flat out funky jam. Like, this is all about the the music this track for me anyways yep there's a song later on in the album which is completely for me all about the music i think the lyrics i, I think the lyrical views deserted it very briefly but i enjoyed yeah, there's like, nothing we'll, we'll get we'll get to that but there's well, nothing wrong with the lyrics in this and just scary nothing special either in my opinion I, look i i will i will acknowledge that these are not lyrics that um, these are lyrics that anyone could have come up with this is not typically uh thompsonian and you know uh yet i think that there's still some i mean you know, for all the fact that um, you know, our beloved uh springsteen has gone and written a whole bunch of songs about you know the frustration of the working guy and yeah i think maybe in some ways even if the lyrics aren't typically you know, with the clever wit that uh, Richard normally might give to it, uh, I think he possibly sort of hits the nail a little bit more on the head than, um, uh, than Bruce might have done about similar situations. Uh, I said I'd make a comparison between this and Sally B. So if you've got the, if Sally B is sung from the perspective of a guy who's suspicious about uh, or who's sarcastic and suspicious about a politician on, uh, on the campaign trail. This song is actually telling us about that uh, constituent's financial circumstances. You know, he's, you know, he, he's struggling to make a living and he's worried about whether he's still going to be uh, in his job you know, a short time from now. And, um, as you say, it's 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 not typically witty Thompson, but yet there's still something here that has to be said, and I, I still sort of found it hit home for me. Oh, I don't get me wrong, this song hit home for me. I think it's just not the lyrics. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this is a real showcase for the you know guitar, drums, bass. It, it's just a it's just a good jam. I think Thompson had gone and said in an interview about this album, or maybe it's just the you know, public relations stuff that got released, that he considered this album to be, and I certainly consider it more about this song rather than the album in general, to be uh, a hybrid what that he called folk funk. And this certainly does have a very funky feel about it. And yes, This is the folk funk English. track, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah, definitely. I have funk written down. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, I don't know why I didn't say it. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a very funky track. Dave? Uh, well, yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would agree with pretty much everything. I mean, there, there's, uh, uh, you know, a couple of lines. I, I, I do love that line in the middle of the, the song that, uh, me and the robot working away looks at me as if to say, I'll be doing your job someday. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, that, that kind of, I thought that was a funny line, but, but, uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, it, I, I agree with you. Lyrically, it's, it's, uh, not stand out, but, uh, 
Um, but I would say that it, it's it's a it's it's one workout of a song. Yeah, it's 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 uh, you know a jam, and you can really hear that signature voice in the guitar in this one. And that's you know again one of the reasons uh, eleven and and, uh, and and you know I think that that it, it, it again it, the, it benefits from Buddy Moore's production of it. You know I think it it, it kind of it, it sounds like you know. Super vibrant and, 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 yeah. and I, I think the other thing is that musically, this puts pay to the notion. And I know there are some people who still have this idea, and I really severely, okay, I won't say I severely disagree. I can sort of see sometimes where they're right, but um, I, I think there are some people out there who think that trio rock trios don't work, that they don't have a fullness of sound. I think um, that if you have as brilliant musicians as we're using here, and this essentially is a trio. Um, sure. uh, so, you know, we, we haven't actually uh, mentioned the name of the bass player here, I've, I'm, and I've probably been a bit reluctant um, because I'm struggling to pronounce it. Uh, Taras Pradanyuk. Um, but uh, so between Richard, Taras, and Michael, um, they, they really produce an almighty, uh, raucous sound. Uh, on on uh, this track and, and a few of the others as well. It's a jam. Uh, it, it is it is a serious jam going on there. And um, uh, did I say to you, Dave, go see him on Friday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of power trios, yes. <laughs> did the drumming on this song remind anyone else of like Mitch Mitchell? Like, oh wow, yeah, I can see. That. Yeah. I'm, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought so. But um, so, why, why would you make the comparison? Because I mean, Mitch Mitchell sort of seems. Uh, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say. Okay, I, mean, I guess Michael's playing here is tight but loose, whereas uh, Mitch Mitchell. And I say this with all the love in my heart because you know, he's he's a hero of mine. But he, he's, I don't know, not, not so much of the tight. It's more loose. Still very all all over the shop, and I mean that in a good way. But. Well, yeah, no, none, of the, none of the none of the tightness, uh, not, none of the not the same approach that I think uh, Michael. Plays. I don't think I would have said that Mitch Mitchell would could have ever done funk, or, or that he ever <laughs> did. So, it, it popped into my head when I was listening to it for some reason, but you know, I it's been a long time since I've actually listened to any of the experience. Right, but he kept on uh, the the name kept rolling around. I'm like, okay. That's what got me looking up the drummer. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, he is all over 90s radio. Right. Uh, better than Ezra. Maybe he is. Better than Ezra. Yeah. Good, good and look. the Toadies. The Toadies. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll leave that point. Um, let's, let's head on over to um, another song by Better Than... Oh, no, sorry. The next song in the Richard Thompson album. This is called... <laughs> this is called My Enemy. <laughs> When you thought I was winning the game You came and snuffed out the flame You thought you'd finish me off But you just made me strong And each time you dealt me a blow Each time you brought me so low I found something inside to help me along My enemy, enemy, 
this song uh, not so much musically, but I, once again, I, I guess maybe lyrically. This to me was the antithesis of Simon and Garfunkel's song "Old Friends." So, like, uh, well, uh, hear me out. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel's song uh, sentimentalizes, I think, the notion of two guys growing old but remaining friends and acting as complementary bookends to each other's lives. And this song takes the same notion but about two former friends who've you know, let some unmentioned gripe uh, sour their relationship, you know, perhaps irreparably, but what it shares in common with old friends is the notion that their fates in life are still intertwined. You know, they sing How I Need My Enemy. Um, but also what I like about the song here, uh, in, in a lot of songs, um, you always you, you listen to the narrator and you just presume that what he's singing is the perfect story. It, it's like his perspective is right, and if he's singing about someone who's done him wrong, then you just presume the songwriter is in the right. But what I like about this song, and Richard never tries to hide it here, is that you can't rely on his protagonist being in the right. You can presume that if the person that he's singing about has done wrong, you can also presume that the guy singing the song has also done something wrong. Um, well, he, he's, not, he's not perfect. He's not perfect. Nice. Uh, he, he said, now we're just two old men on the brink, each waiting for the other to blink. If I should, if I should lose you, I'd be left with nothing but fate. Um, at the end of the day, uh, it's still too much effort to hate. So that may be irreparably. Uh, they're not going to become friends again. But on the other hand, it's, it's our friendship is never going to work. And yeah, I'm just too tired to hate you anymore. Not that he wants to reconcile, but it's just a lot too much of an effort. As I watch your life fall apart, I just smile, but I don't have the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just show you the futility of anger that lingers that long and how soul-destroying it is. And, and it's just exhausting it is to, to hold something against somebody for that long. This is my favorite track on the album, I think. Really? Okay, that's interesting. I really enjoy like, And again, this the, the points that have been brought up multiple times. Um, uh, a, I get the Knopfler vibe on this yes. big Ooh, time. Cool. Yeah, and I, I also agree with get that. The, raising, the Raising Zan vibe again on this with the stripped backness of the song. And the, again, Sibuvan Kennedy's uh, harmonies remind me of like, uh, I don't know, some, some Trample Bros or it, it, really, I get that, that kind of T bone kind of sounding production on this album on the song I really love the song it's so moody it's so again the lyrics are so evocative of emotions that I think people you know you can identify if not have felt I've had uh, some uh, not falling out with two friends the last year or so but you know uh, weird midlife crisis and family things sort of sort of bringing up old grudges I've grown apart with friends that I never thought I'd grow apart with. Yep. And yep. this song reminds me of it. They're not my enemy by any stretch of the imagination, but I can see that I've spent a lot of time thinking about past slights and stuff 
where I never would have on these deep ball. You know, but he, I, this song really hit home for me, I guess. None of these people are my enemy, though. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not that extreme, but I, I, I identify with the emotions. Yes. Yeah, I really like this track. Dive? It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what I can say that outside of what John said. It, it, I mean, I feel the exact same way. I mean, I think it's, 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 it's one of one of my favorite songs on the record too. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's you know, fucking incredibly far. Uh, you know, love the kind of vocal harmony and how kind of lush and spare it is at the same time and everything. But yeah, uh, right. But, um, there's a, it's just it's dense, you know, and and uh, uh, but, but in some of the. The lyrics in it, there, there's just, there's one lyric that kind of just like trips me up, like, you know, that I, that it, it continually tripped me up. And it's, I guess in the second, uh, 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 I don't know how songs are structured there, but you know, the second stanza or whatever, but it's that, the, the opening, it says, did I slight you in some way? Yes. That, that, that sort, that sort of sarcastic line is really his stock in trade. I know, and I just adore it. It's so awesome, you know. Um, but uh, that, 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 that there's that, uh, you know, at the level in which he's talking about things, that, that that's how he would choose to, to, to uh, you know, to, to put that line in. It's like, yeah. that, that sounds like, you know, what, you know, did I, you know <laughs> I didn't pull the chair out for you or something. You know? Now, but, I, I, uh-huh. I, I got to ask, did either of you sort of like listen to this and think at any stage, that maybe he, this song is something of a metaphor. I mean, he's using like the relationship between you know these two former friends, but it could also work like at a great big society level, or indeed between between nations. You know. Um, uh, oh no! I did, I did not. I did not pick up. No, uh, it's such a. It's such a. It's personal, small, encompassed. Uh, it's it's such a personal, intimate song that you know I take it as a person on person. At least that's how I took it. No, I look. I mean, I, I look pretty much. Not to say it, you're it not came, valid. It, it, it came. It came like after several listens, and I, I, I know. I mean, I really, I'd love to sit down and have a cup of tea with them and just sort of discuss yeah. this. But uh, I mean, you're really, you're you're right that on the on the surface, and it, you know, you'd never need to think of it as anything as more than a personal song. And certainly the music and uh, how it's presented, it's, it's very melancholy and it's done as a waltz, which I've said on the show before, is the saddest of all time signatures. Um, so it, it really is. And, and you know, can be taken and should be taken probably as a personal, uh, uh, you know, as this personal tragedy. And yet I, I couldn't help thinking that maybe even in some small way, uh, it could also be seen as you know, differences between between two nations that they they can't they hate each other but they can't even really sort of remember why it was that they hated each other to begin with or even if not necessarily between you know two nations maybe between two families or or it really it can I, I can sort of see this going beyond like as a metaphor. For, I going see, beyond yeah, two I, people, I completely, you can I extrapolate completely. it out like that. I could totally see that. And are either you familiar with the um, with the phrase Mondegreen? No. I'm not. I'm not sure what the or- I should know what the origin is. I, I I know I've been told the origin, and uh, 
if uh, a couple of people who I think might be listening to this will take me to task for not remembering the origin, but never mind. But a Mondegreen is a misheard lyric. So <laughs> before oh. before I read before I read through the song title, I just sort of put the CD on. And when he said, how I need my enemy, I thought he was talking about uh, a new musical express, the British rock music <laughs> paper. <laughs> how I need my enemy. I mean, was that like, you know, I want my MTV or something? I thought, Richard, that's, that's, a, bit va- that's a bit vacuous. But, you know, there you go. <laughs> oh, dear. Never mind. All right. Let's, um, let's move on to uh, the next song on the album and this for me is where the album really takes a bit of a, a certainly a musical turn where he does something he does something very different in my in my way of thinking anyway uh that we'll have a bit of a listen to a clip this is called good things happen to bad people <laughs> said I thought that this song was a bit of a change of pace is because previously the songs were either ballads or they were out and out rockers and this song and in fact the next song the album uh, Where's Home uh, to me pop songs and he doesn't do it too often but where he does do a pop song he just gets it so right and actually I think this is the song that he released like as a an mp3 to the general public like about a month before the album uh, just to say, so here's a bit of a taste of what's going on. So, gents, your thoughts? Was this a good song for him to uh, arouse interest in the uh, general public to the same time? Um, John, John, you go John, first. Oh, I'll, okay. uh, I'll let David first. Okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's a real pretty song. I mean, I, I like it a lot. Uh, um, it's, I mean, that's a pretty solid title for one thing, uh, but, uh, um, I don't know, uh, I, uh, I kind of love that, that, that second stanza about that, in, in his transition between that, that you've been running around, you must have been running around. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, his vocal transition in that line is just like so incredible, but, and then that, that, uh, well, and it's it's kind of a messy line, but I guess it's like like birds of pleasant three, you want to fly high and miss the move. But, but uh, um, I don't know. It's it's got a great chorus. Uh, I, I, I love that kind of guitar chorus. You're in the chorus. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's I think it's, it's it's a solid song. It's real contained, and, and it's, it's uh, uh, you know it's that Thompson voice that I like to hear. You know? I don't know. Uh, it's kind of what I got for it. So. The, the pop song 
as you put it, part of this didn't do too much for me. This song, but at the four minute mark, man, <laughs> he rips with a killer breakdown, man. This is where the guitar guard comes and kicks in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it saves the song for me. I mean, it's like, wait for that, man. I love that. Right. He, he lets it rip. No, I'm a, I'm a big uh, pop fan, as you might have gathered from a previous show. I love it. Oh, I like pop too. I, I, and I think but he's gone and done songs on, on um, the album that he did um, I think might have been the first one with Michael Jerome playing drums for him uh, Old Kid Bag there's a song in it called She Said It Was Destiny and that's a glorious pop moment and he has a song on um, an album a couple of albums back called Sweet Warrior and that was on, uh, a song called Mr. Stupid which combined in a great pop melody with his sarcasm his sarcastic wit you know singing to uh, this woman who he's going to divorce and said, oh you know look don't worry, you know, uh, yeah, get rid of me, that's fine, I'll still pay the alimony and tell all your friends what a moron I am, because I am a moron, I'll just need that change. Um, and uh, I just, I, I thought, you know, this is just for me, melodically, another great pop moment in that, in that tradition. That's, I know, you've got to mention already, John, uh, not fluent, Dave Gilmore, for this, this may be drawing a long bow, but I thought, I thought uh, Roger McGuinn, it had, for me, that sort of birds feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, uh, I did not get the Knopfler Gilmore feeling with this, so. No. Yeah, that's. Uh, the McGuinn thing is. Uh, I, I didn't catch that. That's, that's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, that's a pretty good good one. It, it just, it just for me, has uh, that sort of 60s pop sensibility. Yeah. Um, and, and what I really like is you know, the band makes it sound effortless yet you know the chord progression doesn't sound completely predictable to me I mean it's, it's simple and yet it goes places that I sort of didn't expect it it's not complex we're not talking like Beach Boys pet sounds complexity here but it's not an obvious progression either um, and uh, yeah once again I, I love I love the lyric here you know once again from the perspective of a guy who's uh, paranoid about you know his wife's fidelity. You've already gone and mentioned that I think, Dave. That uh, you know is, is paranoia may or may not be justified, but you really wonder about his take on things. And you know, we always say hindsight's a great informant, and based on current events, we tend to reinterpret previous ones as if we knew these things all along. And um, you know, so like uh, there's that line he says. Uh, you cried the day I walked you down the aisle, and I know you've been uh, back from the way you smile. Um, so yeah, yeah, she might have been crying tears of joy, but and she may not have even cried at all. But his current suspicions of infidelity got him to reinterpret uh, previous events. I, I just, I just find it, you know, I find it very funny. The, the unreliable narrating is just such a wonderful storytelling, you know, tool. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, and and, and uh, that's that's you know, that's smart stuff. All right, let's have a uh, quick listen to um, a little bit from uh, the next song, which for me is also a really great pop moment. This is a tune called "Where's Home." i 
philosophical point in proceedings it's maybe not lyrically amongst one of his better songs and yet you know he's still sort of singing about issues that's important to uh, to any of us you know what our place is in the universe um, you know, I wish this life of twisted turns would end and I could find my way back home again but where's home I used to know the street Someone changed the name, signpost turned around. Um, I mean, just at a superficial level, you know, it could be about childhood friends whose character is not as you remember it or nor your nature to them. But, you know, it's also, you know, it's about the shop down the street being closed down and opened up as something else. It's about finding out that the skills that you had were previously prized are now redundant. It's about having your faith crushed, about being a victim of infidelity. It's about wanting to know where to hang your hat. Everything that you thought you knew no longer applies. And even if, you know, lyrically it's not as you know, clever or you know, as we might have expected from a Thompson lyric, and yet, you know, it's, it's, it's clever enough. And he, uh, you know, still, I, I still think that there's some mileage out of a very common songwriting subject here, you know, what is our place in this world? Indeed, you know, I mean, didn't, you know, two-thirds of the Woody Allen film canon is about what is our place in this world, so it's not unique, and yet I'm always fascinated to hear some As John Cusack says in Gross Point Lane, you can't uh, go home again, but you can shop there. <laughs> I, I, I hadn't seen that film in so long. I had to remember them. That's a Woody Allen style line. You, you, you can't go, but you need to go shut it. That's very much like a Woody Allen line. <laughs> that, that's the line that evokes it. That's the feeling the song evoked for me. Was uh, uh, again, like you said, uh, lyrically this once again it, it treads some familiar ground and uh, is not a showcase for you know witty asides or even a great storytelling, but it does capture that basic truth of coming back to a place and not being able to find out where you belong, where maybe you once did. Uh, and it reminded me of Gross Point Blake, just that part. <laughs> Dave, any thoughts? Oh, it's, it, I think it's a you know, really pretty song, but, but yeah, I, I don't know that, that I necessarily have anything to, to add about the... Uh, I mean, I'm um, I think that the kind of fiddle part in it is really, <laughs> is really, really pretty. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, and I think that could extend that, I mean, that, that kind of metaphor there could extend to, you know, people who, uh, in the military or something like that and being, you know, stuck in that situation for three or four years or whatever and coming back to the, you know, to our world. Yeah. That, like, you know, <laughs> well, these things are, you know, I mean, Things are completely different here, and 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 you know, and they have no comprehension of, of what those both have been through. So yeah, no, it's just a uh, yeah, it's just a yeah. <laughs> where's home? 
it, it just while we're sitting here talking about this, it sort of also made me think about the Joe Jackson song uh, "Hometown" uh, off uh, his Big World Ooh. album. There's, I think, the line in it saying, "I, I want to go back to my hometown, but I'm wondering if it's still there." Yeah, and, uh, um, he's it, it covers it covers a very similar thematic territory and. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know if you're familiar with the song, but it's a really, really pretty, uh, very, you know, very sad song, but um, very pretty song. Well, no, it's, it's yeah, mm. really cool. All right, let's uh, move on. Um, and uh, this is so speaking of sad songs. Oh, oh God! Oh, yeah. So this is the, apart from I think maybe one song. The rest of the album is um, is all acoustic and. Uh, it, it, this is this is the road home. So uh, this is uh, another small thing in her favour. Got her ducks all in a row. Got her bags all packed to go. She'll find some other poor pilgrim. Who's braver? At least she'll look me in the eye With a last and fun goodbye Well that's one small thing In a so hard for him just uh, to title the song Small Thing in her favor, and then we could have kept the S theme going for a while. <laughs> yeah, but then he would have had to have made his song number five, because he's had a few noises. Yeah, yes, yeah. Come on, could have stuck with a theme. Um, I believe, uh, oh no, that was just their album titles. I was going to say, I believe the band Morbid Angel did that with albums, but they, uh, they were just did with, uh, with the titles of the, like the first album was A, second album started with the B, C, D, so on and so forth. I don't know how far they got. Anyways, okay. That's the point. I bet, I, bet the, I, bet the, I bet the Q album would have been an EP though. Or the, <laughs> or the, or the X album. <laughs> so uh, that's about as far away from uh, this song as you could possibly get. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a really sad song and it really captures nicely the desire for a past failed relationship that you get you know oh we had some good times uh it wasn't that bad <laughs> uh she kissed me once more as she gently slammed the door yeah. i love that line man gently <laughs> slammed it i thought i was wondering did he did he really mean that was he just being clumsy or, or was he trying to say something <laughs> It's a great line. And again, Dave, you're going to love this. I have a big letters. Again, reminded of Mark Knopfler at the three-minute mark. <laughs> That's, I'm so happy when you said that. I'm like, good, I'm not just, it's just not me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the song, it's a beautiful song. It's pretty sad. Uh, he really evocative of the yeah, like my uh, enemy, yeah, I, I've experienced some of these emotions. Right. 
um, this, it wouldn't be a song that you'd be familiar with, but maybe Dave, you would be, uh, you know the song Beeswing? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So this song thematically reminded me of Beeswing, you know, there was you know, this song told from the first person perspective of you know, a guy who's in a relationship with this free spirit but you know they, they travel around in a gypsy caravan and then just when he decides well maybe we should just plant the caravan here and you know uh, dig a couple of acres and have a couple of kids and she thinks no, no get out of my life you know, even living in a caravan and the one place is too much settling down forget that and I get the impression that maybe this is Beeswing light you know this is uh, the, the, the woman who's leaving him is leaving it not so much because he's been a bastard or she's done something wrong. He's done something wrong. It's just she can't sit still. She can't be in the same place. I, I would, I would, I completely agree. I completely agree. In this doesn't seem to be that, that brutal of a uh, no, no, not of a of a of a of a of a, of a, a split. This is um, is I mean even uh, on like on that song earlier. Um, uh, here in the album, but, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it's it, it seems to be just a it, it, it's like a it, it's a snapshot of an event that's like a you know it, it's just like a you know that sad thing. It's just like th- this is what it comes to. and you know it's, it's not necessarily anybody's fault, you know, but but it's just like this is the way it's well, got to be. The line that kills me is where he sings. She said she felt bad for the home yep. that we had and the effort I'd wasted to save her. That, that's the exact line that I <laughs> So that's that, that was going to be my comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. He said, and so, so this, so that's why, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, sorry, John, about your, um, wanting him to do small thing in her favour, but really this had to be another another small thing in her favour. It's like every line it's sarcastic and yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, she you know, she I guess she made sure I didn't slash myself for the knives. I guess that's another small thing in her favour. <laughs> you know, she left me, but you know, she she didn't kick me in the balls on the way out. So that's another small thing in her favour, you know, so um and, and, and we've all been there, but uh, right boys <laughs> Well, no. I, I, I remember um, when I did the, the guy I was talking about before, Jeff Smith, and we were talking about um, an album that he'd picked called The Horrible Crows, which I absolutely hated. Um, and, you know, like I said, every song is, oh, God, does this guy sound miserable? Every relationship. And I'm like, I'd, if I were the woman, I'd be leaving him. And she said, he says, You've obviously never had your heart broken and stomped on and kicked in. I said, "Well, no, you know, I, in a couple of relationships, you know, before I met my wife, and, and you know, they were amicable, and you know, it didn't didn't work, and we just left." So, no, I've never had the, my heart. Oh, spat on. on you! <laughs> uh, Live a life. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm, you gotta understand heartache. Uh, <laughs> Actually, uh, I've been happily married for eleven years now. I cannot. Uh, but no, there's there was a good ten, fifteen years before that <laughs> where there was plenty of these. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, Makes me understand the stories. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you you want to cry on my virtual shoulder? Actually, for those of uh, for those of my listeners who are silver and gold fans, you're, you're, you're pulling a loaf. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said, oh, screw you, Dad. <laughs> that actually kills me so much with the, the dad bit. I love it. Okay, yeah. I, I'm coming back to the song just for a sec. I, I'm going to um, make uh, another reference that, Dave, you'd appreciate. Yeah. This is um, the song, I, I guess one that I compare this to is Paul Kelly's To Her Door. But whereas to a door actually, so like it goes beyond where this song finishes, and the woman decides, you know what, I've had a change of heart. I'll come back to me, and uh, we'll we'll try and start again. Uh, and it's for those of you who haven't heard the song, it's not a foolish romantic song. It's a, it's completely realistic. Um, just get out there and listen to it. You know, one of the one of the greatest Paul Kelly songs, one of the greatest Australian written songs of all time. Uh, fantastic storytelling. Uh, but this sort of sounds like that, but without the happy ending. You know, she drives away, she uh, into her door. She leaves him with you know whatever grievances she has there. Um, so that song came to mind to me. Did that come to mind with you as well, or, or any anything else? Any other songwriter? You know, uh, in a writing in a similar oh, um, well, I, I don't know why. I, I'm, I'm, uh, and I, I may be getting my lyrics wrong here, but, but, uh, uh, that, I kind of, uh, thought of, uh, Mr. Kelly's, uh, uh, you know, I can't believe we were married. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. That's a, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of the different end of that spectrum. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, yeah, cause like, whereas, whereas this song, it's, you know, it's all, it's all, Sad and bitter, whereas you know, I can't believe we were married. It, it, it's it's sad and yet funny. Um, yeah. The, yeah. Was that line about um, uh, you always had your hand down my down my pants before our guests could leave. They didn't yeah. like our drugs or our dogs or something like that. Yeah. And, and 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 that's that's a, you know a little more lethal probably than than I think the, the Thompson song here. You know, uh, right. But, this is purely this is purely sad, and you're right. Lethal is a good word. Now we see each other on the street. Uh, our words are so measured and polite, but I can't believe that we were ever married. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but or uh, or winter coat. I mean, I guess is is, is you could you could kind of. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's not that good. You, you can really put that. Well, no. I mean, I'd say winter coat's probably also a very good uh, companion piece. Maybe not. It doesn't share the similar sort of story, but yet you know it evokes a memory of when times were better, and yeah. um, so yeah, they're all you know, another sad song. And actually, both I think I can't believe we were married in Winterkoat are from the same Kelly album, which I um, yeah. call Comedy, which is my favourite of yeah. uh, of all his records. Yeah, first studio stuff. Yeah, that's my favourite album as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that that you know, the small thing in favour is. Is a great song, and it's it's uh, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things that, that I, I think it, it plays to, you know, what I love about all those songwriters. That, you know, I mean, about Kelly and about uh, you know Thompson. That, that it's just that 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 real, you know, whether it's an unreliable narrator or not, it's it's kind of an unblinking look at at uh, at a relationship and right. and at an adult relationship. Yep. You know. And, not, it's not, uh, um, and that there, there may not be a resolution to it. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and often there is. No, I, I like that because, you know, that's real life. There is often no resolution. I mean, there is one in the aforementioned to her door, 
but yeah. it's it's a believable resolution. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's still not a happy ending, but it's a hopeful ending, and uh, I could see that happening. So, uh, for those of you folks out there who haven't heard to a door, uh, go to YouTube, Paul Kelly to a door, um, and see if you're not choked up even just a little bit by the end of the song, and it, it really should be the national anthem of Australia. <laughs> Uh, I'll be posting, uh, love that album page immediately. <laughs> I, I will. I will go and post it, or, or, or feel feel free. You're in front of it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Do it. Um, we're um, okay. So uh, let's move on to the next song. This is called Straight and Narrow. Musically, I love it because it has that faster, far organ. Uh, it sounds like the song sounds like it belongs in uh, uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> my uh, my notes consist for this song consists entirely of uh, another great jam, solid groove. Yeah, for sure. But the first time I heard it, I thought groovy, baby. Don't well, get to break that out as much as you used to, eh? <laughs> David, you, 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 have a, you have a point? Oh, uh, no, well, I was just going to say that, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way, but it, it's, I mean, it's just a band workout, and, and, and I, I mean, I love the organ, and uh, uh, and just the, the vibe, the whole thing, but, but uh, yeah, that, that uh, I mean, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's the, the uh, last kind of stanza in the, the uh, in the song, but that, that, you know, she walked straight and narrow, she did what it says, she walked straight and narrow, got eyes in the back of her head, boys, eyes in the back of her I gotta say, that's one lyrical convention that I've never liked is where they do this thing, oh, she's got eyes in the back of her head, boys, I mean, it, it sounds like a sea shanty. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really. I don't know. Yeah, that's not one that I've. Uh, I don't know that I've noticed that one. <laughs> well, it's this is not the song. If I was to be saying to someone, right, I want to introduce you to this songwriter. This is not the song I'd introduce him to. And yet, it, it, it's, it's a fun tune. It's a fun tune. Yeah, you're right. It, it's a. What did you say, John? Was a, a groove workout or, or, or a fun it, workout? It's a, it's a solid groove, man. Yeah, it's a solid groove, baby. Um, <laughs> All right, so we don't need to say terribly much about that. Uh, let's save our efforts for uh, 
the final two songs on the album. Uh, this next one is the one that, in my opinion, underutilizes the wonderful Alison Krauss. Uh, this is called The Snow Goose. will cut you Northern girls will cut you Leave you cold and empty Like a fish on the slab Oh, she is like a snow goose Pale and rare and Will the joys that tempt me Soon turn and kick and stop In the dream I'm running Now before we get to talking about the song in any detail I've remembered the name of the singer who Richard Thompson had also previously underutilized on um, sessions at West 54, and it was Nancy Griffith. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there he is singing 1952 Vincent Black Lightning, and she's just sort of standing there, as it, like he said, oh, do you want to come and do the song? Well, I don't know the words, Richard. Oh, I'll just stand there and, you know, uh, shake your ass a bit and uh, just go, meow. The end of every verse, like it's a motorcycle. So... Uh, I thought, yeah, okay, I mean, she's, she's no slouch in the songwriting department and, you know, is a fine singer, so I just thought, well, that was just very, very sad. But anyway, no, The Snow Goose, uh, Alison Kraft. Uh, Dave, take the lead off. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a, it, it's a, it, it's a you know, really, really lovely song. Uh, um, um, you know, I don't know. Again, I, I would I would say that the, the same thing she is, is that it utilizes uh, uh, my you know one of my favorite you know basically my favorite you know female uh, performer uh, vocal. Uh, so you would have seen Allison Krauss play, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. So you would have seen Allison Krauss play? Yeah, I, I've seen her. I've seen her like. A, a whole bunch of people. I've seen her, you know, what, four or five times uh, live. And, and uh, yeah, she's a, you know, she's pretty incredible. Yep. And, uh, you know, in both, well, you know, I've seen her like three times with, with, with her band, with, with Union Station. But, but uh, I mean, the, the best time was with, with uh, I've seen her uh, kind of back up uh, while I love it on that, that Seven Countries South record. But regardless, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, you know, an incredible talent, and, uh, and, and, uh, um, so I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> articulate my points here, but, but, uh, I, uh, articulate my thoughts here, but, but, uh, um, it's, it's unfortunate that, that, um, it, it, they weren't able to kind of, uh, structure this more, kind of like a duet or something, or, you know, you know, I would agree with that. I think even if Buddy Miller had gone and brought her up a bit more in the mix, it would have um, been more fitting. But uh, I, know, I, I think it's, you know, in, in a way, maybe it's a tribute to uh, Alison's complete lack of ego that um, no. 
should be quite happy to. I think to the later tracks down much later after the song was actually already done okay. up in the studio. Uh, it says I'm reading on the thing that they laid her tracks like two weeks later right. or something. So she wasn't right. even in the studio at the time. Right. Uh, I think I don't have this. Where is it? Um, I love this track though. I gotta say, even though, uh, yeah. Uh, the bulk of the recording was finished in two weeks with Miller overdubbing Allison Krauss's vocal parts on Snow Goose later on. Okay. So, yeah, so they didn't have much much more of a choice than to use her for her harmonies, I don't think. But, uh, I mean, she may, she is, I mean, there's no denying her talent. Uh, and it'd be great. It would have been great to hear a duet, but, I mean, if you're going to I mean, and she again, like you said, there's not much difference between her harmonies there and uh, Seal Band, but uh, right. I still love the song. The song, uh, so evocative again. The lyrics, it, it, it is, it is. Um, it's you know, this uh, this guy, you know, he's um, uh, he, he's in a lot of pain. You know, he. he he never seems to uh, attain the woman who he uh, desires doing, you know, due to uh, having these, uh, I guess, feet of clay. His character's too frozen to the spot and paralyzed to make a move. And uh, you know, Richard, his voice, you know, just, I, I know you were sort of like saying you had your reluctance about his voice the first thing Not that you heard Sully B. <laughs> no, on this song, this is where it really, really shines out Englishness. Um, you know, it, it's true. It, Almost what I didn't like about his voice. In the in Sally B is in this song and works yeah bang off for me yeah. when, when, he, when he's it, singing it's, about it's the heartbreaking molasses correct yeah. yeah exactly yeah uh, in the dream I am I am running down a street of molasses uh, in the dream my feet gain no ground you know he's he's yeah. he's stuck he's stuck to the earth he he can't bring himself to um to say what he wants to say I think it's uh, once again you know, um writing songs about feeling awkward about uh, approaching uh, the one you want to be with or, or love or desire uh, is nothing new, but I just love the use of imagery here. And, and um, you know, his, his lyrical muse is you know, fully with him on this song. Um, yes. and, and then also there's, but then there's also, he evokes like a verse later, he <clears throat> um, evokes this very, uh, very male thing. Um, if I call her sister, manfully resist her, uh, believe my own illusions, uh, or, uh, or if I call her lover, will I soon discover that her eye is taken by some fawning friend? You know, it's it's like you know, if if I if I talk myself into believing that she's just my friend, am I going to you know resent myself later forever? But if I go and approach her, am I going to find out that in fact there's some someone else who she's got the hots for? You know, it's you know very common male trait, very common thing. You know that you know whatever I might have said before about not feeling, uh, not, about never having felt like I had my heart kicked. But you know, like every other bloke, um, you know, at one stage or another, I you know felt that sort of self doubt and thinking, oh, you know. Am I talking myself into the fact that this I can look at this uh, girl as being like my sister, or, or, or um, you know, what do I do? Uh, and he, he's articulated it absolutely beautifully here. Yeah, he did. 
Well, yeah, I got to say that, that uh, uh, I, I'm, y'all schooled me because I I I, uh, um, I didn't have any notes on this song, and I need to go. Obviously, you need to go listen to it again. Caught out, caught out. There I go. There I go saying, Dave, you take the lead, and you have no notes. So, so uh, yeah, I apologize about that, and, and, and uh, I need to, uh, yeah. That, go, that back, was... go back, have another listen, and be rewarded. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I gotta yeah. say, if you're having a, if you're writing a song about uh, fear and dreams of helplessness, and you're having a want to be evocative and haunting. Uh, Having Alison Krauss sing your harmonies is a good way to go with that. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's haunting. I mean, I would too would love to have heard a full on vocal part, but uh, I mean, it fits her her it fits the song so well. I love it. You know, I, I'd love to just sort of declare myself to be a professional songwriter just so I can lure her to come to Australia and sing sing <laughs> harmony vocals with me. I think that'd make my existence complete um, yeah exactly have, have um, either of you heard uh, the live album uh, that she does with Union Station yeah. I have not uh, there's um, this brilliant bit I think uh, just before she, uh, just before uh, they do um, I think it was a fifth dimension song uh, baby now that I found you oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and there's but- someone someone yells out from the audience I love you, Allison. And then, <laughs> and then some other guy from the audience yells out, "I love you more." Yeah, <laughs> absolutely brilliant moment. It, no, it, it, yeah, it, 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 it's really nuts and purple. That 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 kind of uh, if, if you've seen that that you know that that live uh, DVD or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's really what you get live. It's the best man in the fucking world. <laughs> so, so, so can you can you tell me? Can you confirm, Dave? Was that you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been me, probably. You know, actually, I, just just a short, funny story. Uh, I can remember reading a article in No Depression magazine when, when I was working at the record store, I was sitting there eating lunch, reading it, and I, when I realized that she's six months older than me, it was just like, oh, it could happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah. I, I think I think she's taken. I think she's taken. Yeah, well. No, I can't help that. But. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're now at the, uh, the end of the album. This is uh, called Saving the Good Stuff for You. I've seen trouble from every direction. My old head is peppered with grey I could never resist life's temptations Oh, they just seem to fall in my way I've had wives and I treated them badly Maybe a lover or two All the time, oh, I didn't know it I was saving the good stuff for you I was saving the good stuff for you, darling Saving the good stuff for you There was some part of me, darling Save the good stuff for you 
country ballad that um, up until uh, and I'm still getting this name wrong I'm sure Syaban Syaban uh, if, if yeah. you're listening out there tell me how it's pronounced send me an email or, or, or send me a voice text thing partner whatever uh, Syaban naked pictures naked uh, <laughs> what what what, what? Um, you said it man <laughs> uh, hello no my name John Ross getting it off Oh, go, oh, off, off the, not okay, me, off this podcast. Okay, you have send me topless photos. <laughs> well, I'll take the hit. Oh, you're, you're an evil man. You know I can edit this. Um, <laughs> so where was I? Oh, yeah, so up until she starts singing, up until her harmony vocals kick in, I thought this song had more of a Celtic feel to it. Uh, and, you know, fair enough, I guess, there's some sort of lineage between country music and Celtic music. But um, I guess, you know, with her vocals and... And uh, the that more country style violin, it, it sort of you know settles it in. It's just this beautiful country ballad. And you know, for all my lack of knowledge, I can just sort of see, based on my my limited understanding, I, I reckon this is a sort of song that would go down well at the Grand Ole Opry. What do you think, Dave? Oh, is this one that you've? Is this one that you heard? Oh yeah, for sure. No, no, no. Would, I, that, I would this that... would this work at like at the Grand Ole Opry? Is this that sort of song to you? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It, 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 it's bright. I mean, it, it's. Uh, I, I would. I would agree with you there. That's an interesting point that I hadn't thought about. But, but, but uh, yeah, for sure, man. That's a a real cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's a, and and a, you know, old school kind of country sound. It is. Uh, and 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 in the the, the the you know uh, the arrangement of it and everything. And, and this one is, is is that that's a lot of what I kind of, kind of wrote about it. And, um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, no, I would, I would say so as well. It's, it's, there's that kind of last uh, last burst. I like white, white, white. Yeah, the, 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 yeah no. You sort, you sort of got to wonder. It's it's uh, interesting that this song bookends the album with stony ground at the beginning. You sort of got to wonder if the, the old widow across the road had let uh, the Randy lecturer, senior citizen, actually approach her. Whether he might have actually said, "Look, you know, I've led a shit life." Which yeah. is basically what he's saying. I was a lousy, out of control shit before I met you, but you make me want to be a better person. So you sort of got to wonder whether you know, this is, you know, if things have been a little different, if she, if her brother hadn't sent the goons to beat the stuffing out of her, and if he kept yeah. his mind out of the honey pot, he might have actually this might have been what he'd sung to her. No, that's a that's a that's what a great observation, man. No, that's that's, a, that's pretty cool. I've got too much time on my hands. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was wondering also, uh, to me, um, it struck me whether this song was maybe even uh, a little bit autobiographical. Um, I mean, I know that's always something that, you know, people tend to do. They listen to songs and think, oh, I wonder if he's right. But, you know, he, he sings, you know, I've had wives, although he had a wife who he treated badly and you know, maybe a lover or two all the time. I didn't know it. I was saving the good stuff for you and whether, you know, this is, you know, his dedication to Nancy Covey, his um, wife of whatever it is, 30 years or something like that. I think the, the woman who um, he uh, uh, fell in love with while he was um, divorcing um, well, Linda. Th- th- there's that great line in the middle of the song. Well, a great line. I don't know. That, that interesting line in the middle of the song where he says, uh, it was the kind of love that, that was making me blue, you know, or some kind of love. You know, I call it love. Maybe fatal attraction. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a killer line, you know. That's you know, but again, it's just like you know, so so just the the, the brutal honesty 
you know, kind of his songwriting. Yeah, no, th- I, you're right. This is, a, uh, I think, an autobiographical song. Um, it's, look, it's interesting that you mentioned that line because um, you know, for, for a guy of his age, and you know, he's written hundreds of songs and he's lived a life and he's he's been divorced and he's seen heartache. And actually, I think even early on in the Fairport Convention days, um, yeah. the, the girl who he was going out with at the time died in a in an accident while they, they were driving. The band was driving between gigs and she died and he felt guilty for some time that, you know, because he, I think he took control of the will that he might have been responsible that she died in the accident because of him. But, you know, unlike, I guess, a, a song, a lesser songwriter who might have been considerably younger would have idealized love as be forever true and it'll be forever wonderful. And he's, you know, saying, well, you know, it was love that was making me blue. And then he said, well, you know, well, hang on. Maybe it was this fatal attraction. Maybe it wasn't love. Maybe it was lust. Um, yeah. 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 They're, they're kind of, you know, staging of, of you know, like, again, you know, you're just talking about an adult songwriter. I mean, and being yes. able to realize those phases of, of, of your, uh, you know, I mean, of, of, uh, maturity and stuff like that. And, 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 uh, you know, and, and be able, you know, and, and, and Thompson being able to kind of, you know, and 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 talk about those those you know real bleak ends of, of, of things and and the you know the you know the highs and lows of, of, of all that stuff. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's what makes him. I mean, <laughs> that's what makes artists great. You know, yes. I mean, those people that are able to, to to you know articulate that that uh, you know those hard ends of emotion. Any final thoughts, John? Uh, again, um, this song, his actual, the melody of this song reminds me again of Gordon Lightfoot again. Okay. Uh, uh, I thought it was a fitting closer. Very, I have folksy down, more yeah. harmonies. Yes. <laughs> That's the end of my notes. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was a good, it's good. It uh, certainly was a fitting closer to, uh, to the album. Yeah, that's, that's my yeah. thoughts. All right. Well, um, at this point, I think uh, we'll close down our discussion on uh, Richard Thompson's Electric, and uh, I hope that our discussion has sparked enough interest in you folks out there, either if you've uh, never heard any of his music or only mildly acquainted with him, or indeed if you're a big Richard Thompson fan but hadn't sort of made up your mind yet whether you were going to get the album yet or not. I'd say, um, certainly from my perspective, and I imagine from both of your perspective, it's a, a, a thumbs up. Oh, yeah. Sure. Mm. All right. What we'll do now is we'll go to um, the album I love segment. Uh, Eric Reanimator, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, he's going to be talking about the EP by Animal Bag. And um, I, I imagine that this uh, uh, EP is virtually impossible to find. In fact, I think Eric says as much. So, um, so I'm going to have to find some other way of getting hold of it. But I really like what he talks about it and I love the musical uh, interludes that he presents. So let's have a quick listen to uh, Eric's segment and album that I love. And we'll be back straight afterwards to um, uh, sign off. You're listening to Love That Album with Morris here, John there, and Dave also over there. We'll be back shortly. Take it away, Eric, the orchestra leader. I want two. I want two key four. Hallelujah. 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 
Now it's time for an album I love with Eric Reanimator. Salutations, Eric Reanimator here at this time. Talk about the 1994 acoustic EP offering by the band Animal Bag. Animal Bag is one of those lost 90s bands, the kind of group that would be featured on the Dig Me Out podcast, formed in 1987 and moving to LA in 89. Animal Bag mixed acoustic southern rock with psychedelic and alternative music. Early on, they were compared to bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Faith No More. Their debut self-titled album was recorded on an EP budget, but ended up being a full album. They were featured in the pilot episode of the American television show, My So-Called Life, and had some modest chart success with singles off that initial album. And in 1994, they released the offering EP of all acoustic songs. Let's take a listen. one of Jethro Tull's Dunringill, and then another of Crosby, Stills, and Nash's Wooden Ships, which I actually really, really enjoy. The rest of the disc is made up of originals, including an acoustic version of the song The Last One from their debut album. Offerings didn't sell well when released, and the band was given one more shot at 
making it big. They recorded an album called Image Damage sometime in 1995-1996, but it was shelved and never released, mainly due to the fact that the personnel that had been working with them at their label were leaving and being shuffled around, which is the story with a lot of bands from the 90s. The band split up in 1998, leaving behind only that debut album and this EP. I think what I hear on this EP is a promising young band with lots of potential who got screwed by the record label machine. I gotta wonder what they would have done if they'd been able to stick around. I'm sure if you check your discount bins, you're likely to find a copy of either their debut album or offerings. I'm gonna play a little bit of the song, Last One Now, and I'll catch you all on the flip side. Thanks very much, Eric, for another wonderful segment. And uh, Eric will be back in a couple of weeks on uh, the next Love That Album. And uh, when we've finished going through our uh, podcast Roll of Honor, I'll tell you what the next show is going to be about. So let's let's um, talk about, um, uh, give a, a bit of a quick shout out. Now, I know a lot of these podcasts and ventures are things that both of you guys are also into, or you know, certainly there's some crossover. So... Um, uh, a shout out to uh, Terry Frost, my fellow Melburnian. Well, he's a Sydney sider, but I'll make him an honorary Melburnian. <laughs> um, us Sydney siders and Melburnians have um, have a rivalry going on. I think like the the Hatfields and the McCoys or something like that. I don't know. Um, uh, Melburnians get jealous because the rest of the world thinks that Sydney's the capital of Australia and it's not. It's Canberra, but but you know Sydney side. Well, I'm not going to insult Sydney siders because some of my best friends are Sydney siders. Why am, why am I rabbiting on anyway? Paleo Cinema is hosted by Terry Frost and his uh, and the sister podcast that he hosts, Martian Drive-In Podcast. Give those both a check out. Silver and Gold with Doctor Zom and Pickleloaf. Um, the GG. Silver and so, Gold. Uh, yeah, uh, so look, you know, don't you go giving me this shit because you know, Silver. Silver. Henry. Silver. 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 Hey man, I, I pulled a loaf, so I'm gonna pull a zom. <laughs> uh, uh, look at you know, it, damn it, Australians can't say silver. Uh, and as our, as us Australians would say, fuck you, zom. No, I didn't mean it. Zom, we love you. We, uh, or as zom would say, no, 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 we love you, zom. Um, they haven't pulled that one in a long time, have they? Um, GGTMC with uh, Sammy and Will. Uh, the Mondo, Hell yeah. the, the, the Mondo Film Podcast with Justin Bozung. Although I don't know that he's done anything in a little while. So, uh, Justin, get on with it. We want to hear your uh, roundtable Francis Ford Coppola discussion. 
Better in the Dark with uh, Derek Ferguson and Thomas DJ, and um, I, I'm in I'm in negotiations currently with Derek Ferguson. I'm just going to find how am I going to pay his exorbitant cost, like I had to pay your exorbitant <laughs> cost to appear on the podcast. Uh, no, we're we're under discussion for an album to uh, to cover somewhere down the track, and so looking forward to that. But their Better in the Dark podcast is a uh, is a is a good one. Good and uh, search them if you haven't already done so. The film podcast, previously the list film podcast, hosted by Jenny Ricardo, Adam, and Kevin, Talk Without Rhythm, uh, which I actually haven't listened to in about two, three months, so I better catch up with that. Film Rave, hosted by Justin Oberholzer, and he's been doing a fine, fine job. Um, I remember he said about his last episode, he said, I rave on too much. I just talk too much. I, 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 I talk too tangentially. I, you know, it, it's probably pissing people off. And I sent him a message saying, nothing more boring than a film podcast or any podcast that gets to the point succinctly. Um, <laughs> and, and that's certainly never been anything that you could accuse Justin of, of getting to the point quickly. <laughs> but, uh, but God bless him. That's why, that's why we love him. Uh, so, uh, music podcasts, sitting in a bar in Adelaide with my very good friend Michael Persh. Um, the List Music Podcast, hosted by the aforementioned Ricardo and Jenny, along with VK and Juan. Uh, and as I've been saying for a while, I've had three of them on Love That Album. Now I've just got to get Jenny on. Um, so yeah, got to contact her and see what album she would like to cover. Uh, so did Joker on songwriting. Man, I don't know that I can say enough good about this uh, about this show, Simon and Brian. I don't know how they get the songwriters, but they do. Um, and if you haven't caught hold of it less yet, I would urge you to do so. They uh, they ask intelligent questions. They're songwriters, and they always get people who sound like they're having a ball. Um, even if you don't always like the songwriter. Uh, or aren't interested in the songwriter, they always have interesting discussions and you know makes you want to go search them out. Um, uh, 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 the Inside Outcast, hosted by Evil Dave Jacola and Dr. Brandy's sexy voice of the Los Angeles sexy voices, no doubt. Um, and I've saved this one for last, the all-time top 10 with Ben Eisen. And why I save him for last is because that segues into the fact that he will be my guest on the next Love That Album podcast, Love That Album number 43. Now, he is the one who's picked the next album. And originally, I was a bit reluctant because the album he picked is very iconic. And I thought, could I have something to say about it? Could Ben have something to say about it? That hasn't already been said about, and yet it is such a wonderful album. I thought, well, we'll find something. And the album that he has chosen is Who's Next by The oh. Who. And, uh, 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 that's a biggie. That's a biggie. So I, I figure that, you know, talking about Lifehouse, talking, I mean, look, I could talk for two hours about Keith Moon alone. It's going to be a big one. So uh, exceptionally. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking with Ben about uh, who's next. I actually originally had suggested I wanted to do uh, the Who sell out, and he said, "No, man. You know, uh, the, you know, basically, he said words to the effect of, you know, too many people they um, want to appear cool by talking about the more obscure Who albums, but Who's next is so great. Why avoid it?" Um, 
So, all right, we'll we'll do who's next. And I, I've I've made a few notes already, and I think well, yeah, there's there is plenty to say. Um, so uh, looking looking forward to uh, talking about him with that with uh, Ben Eisen on um, on his next show. Now he's just concluded um, uh, five episodes of uh, Beatles Month to uh, sort of celebrate 50 years since the release of Please Please Me, and I had the distinct pl- yeah exactly. Um, it was my distinct pleasure to appear on the first of those Beatles episodes talking about our favourite Beatles cover versions. So um, if you haven't caught hold of uh, that episode or indeed anything in uh, the all-time top ten, I uh, would urge you to go uh, download some of those episodes. Um, There's a lot of fun always had. And uh, Ben always gets uh, guests who have uh, a lot of fun things to say about the music that they choose. And they've, they've just gone and done um, a prog show or all-time Ooh, top 10 yeah. prog song. So that, that'd agree with uh, you, certainly, John, wouldn't it? Yes, I love my prog. Uh, and I, I, as as far as uh, Beatles covers go, yes. as terrible as the movie was, the I Am Sam soundtrack has a few pretty good ones, I think. Uh, I really dig Sarah McLaughlin's cover of Blackbird. Now, you know what? This is a funny thing. I'd avoided I Am Sam for the longest time because I sort of thought, you know what? This film is going to be... Ugh, not so good. I mean, I went and made the mistake of watching Across the Universe because you know, friend, <laughs> friend, a friend went and put it in my hands, and I and I watched it, and I thought, this is shit. Um, but Ben, Ben is a big rap for um, for uh, I am Sam, and he said, no, yeah, you should go out and watch it. But we had a bit of a Facebook argument today because he went and said, um, uh, he said, I've just finished watching Seven Psychopaths. Jesus movie is shit. And you know, I effectively went and told him, Dems fighting words, sir. Pistols at dawn. So, <laughs> so I, Well, I Am Sam, I thought, was a shit movie, but the soundtrack's <laughs> not bad. Yeah, look, I, 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 I like... I have heard the album, admittedly, not in a long time, but I remember the one that stood out for me because I thought his, ver- his voice was perfect was Ben Harper doing Strawberry Fields yeah. forever. I thought that was, that was really, really nice. Um, I don't. Do you ever remember? Or did you ever see a documentary? I don't think you can get it officially on DVD, but you can probably get it through one of the shonky sites. Um, a film which I actually remember seeing as a kid in the cinema called All This in World War Two, and it was based on a whole lot of archival footage, being it fil- uh, film reels or uh, or scenes from World War Two films, just basically telling the story of World War Two, but set to Beatles cover versions. Um, there are there are a few songs in um, in this soundtrack that just don't work. Uh, Keith Moon doing "When I'm 64" is a, a stinker, uh, and yet there are a few good things on this. I, I think this uh, soundtrack it introduced me to, and I, I de- declare right from the outset, I'm no Elton John fan, but I've always had a soft spot for his version of "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds," and this is might be where it first appeared. So there's a few interesting things on this soundtrack, but anyway, that's putting Beatles cover versions to uh, to a, a film soundtrack is ever, is not new. Ever heard like, Typo Negative's cover of uh, Day Tripper? I can't say that I have. Is it worth my while searching out? You probably would like it. But I like it. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it going to be any worse than Beatallica? Uh, oh no, it's much better. Okay, okay. It's, okay, not, well, it's not. It's not. It's just a goth, goth metal remake. But, <laughs> oh well. Yeah. But it, it's a serious. 
as opposed to a a, a piss a tape. joke. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a definitely a different uh a different take on it. So, right. Yeah. All right, so um John, please promote your endeavor. You're not in the podcasting sphere yet, although I think you should be. Uh, but, oh, I uh, thought about it, but I just don't have the time. Oh, so... I can find someone else to produce it. <laughs> <laughs> and who, someone who wanted to talk on Saturday nights. But oh. I mean, I got like one day off a week. I you'll, you'll, just, on. you'll just have to keep coming back to this. But I, oh, I keep thinking about doing it. You, you listen to Sylvan Gold and GGTMC, and I think about how well that format lends itself to reviewing albums, right? It does. Two albums, and then what have you been listening to this week? Well, and, remember, I cut, uh, that, I cut that segment out, otherwise I kept on having a four-hour show. Yeah. I got, I got taken yeah. to task. That's why I do. I, I now do a What Are You Listening To Now show all by itself once every three or four months, and we call it Shooting the Shit. Um, I would love to be on one of those, man. Uh, but, uh, you're invited. There you go. Awesome. The next, you are on the next one. There you go. Awesome. All you got to do is uh, ask. <laughs> Feed my ears. That's my uh, Facebook group. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it go is. ahead and join. Come talk music. Uh, post what you've been listening to. All kinds of so, stuff. So people, if people go on the, people go on Facebook and they just type in "Feed my ears" into Feed, the search. Feed my ears. It'll, it'll come there. That should work for you. Right. So, um, it, and I'll, I'll tell you folks, if you haven't already joined, um, there's a great group of people down there. No one, and I had this discussion with Tim Merrill once, you know, like, uh, the beautiful thing about, you know, the, 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 both the film community Facebook pages and your Feed My Ears Facebook page is no one ever says, you haven't watched that film and you call yourself a film note or you haven't listened to that record. It's, you haven't seen that film. Man, I urge you to give it a try. It's everyone's yeah. encouraging. No yep. one ever says, I can't believe you like that style of music. It's everyone respects, or if they don't like it, they, they say, right, well, I'll kick back. It's your, it's your thing, but no one's ever, um, no one's ever nasty. Everyone's very encouraging. It's great. Well, it started out the site as a, just a recommendation page for people to tell me what to listen to. Right. But it's taking a life on its own now and. And now you spend yeah, now you spend all your earnings on the on the, on the new albums. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And and uh, Dave, uh, you, yeah. you you don't have a podcast or a Facebook page, but do you have any musical endeavor or any endeavor that the people out there should know about that they should search well, you at? Not really. I just want to promote all the the other guys here, you know, and and uh, the, all the stuff that I love. That, that's pretty much what what uh, what I look at. You know, the DGTMC and. Love that album and, uh, and stuff on gold and, and all that, that kind of, and, and, you know, and, and John's, yeah, of course, you know, Meyer is, is, is a, you know, superior <laughs> kind of music entity, but, but, you know, yeah, no, it's a real cohesive whole. And, you, and it, it, it's, 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 uh, it's a, it's a genuine family. It and, is. Yeah. And, and I think it's, a, it's just a, man, it's, a, it's Organic thing and a genuine thing that that uh, is uh, is not something I've experienced before. So you know, if if, if listeners here aren't are a part of that stuff, join it because you know, like like the guys have said here, it's just it's not a it, you know, it ain't a club. It's you know, I mean, it's a bunch of guys talking. About it's it's a, it's a society, well, not even a society. It's um. It's a collective. It's uh, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call it. There's no exclusivity here. So you you want to talk about music? Put throw your hat in the ring. Yep, 
I tell you what. That's it. All right. So I guess I'd better um, uh, just make a couple of quick mentions about uh, my own uh, podcast and ways to contact me. (coughs) If excuse me, if uh, you want to send me any feedback. Uh, you can email me at rrrkitchen at yahoo.com.au. Um, please feel free to join the Love That Album Facebook page and, you know, similar sort of deal to, uh, to feed my ears. Anything you want to talk about music, feel free. Go right ahead. Uh, so just, uh, go into, um, uh, Facebook and search for, uh, Love That Album. And, uh, asked to join. Unlike Feed My Ears, I made it a closed group. I, I probably because, I don't know, I think I made it a closed group pretty much at the time when I started to see some of the pictures that were coming up on silver and gold. And I thought, just in case, <laughs> just in case someone wants to put up one of those pictures on the page, I better, you know, save everyone's employability prospects by making it a closed group. But not that anyone has. They're all, they're all good boys and girls. Um, but yeah, uh, feel free to join the, uh, Love That Album. Facebook page. Um, if you obviously you're listening to this, so you know of a way at least to download the podcast. But um, I'll go through all the various ways. So you can either search for "Love That Album," either one word as it used to be, or three words in iTunes. You can uh, download it or stream it from lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or lovethatalbum.podbean.com, uh, or you can get us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, which is uh, an app that you can download to your um, phone of choice and just type it in and it'll be there. And every time I put up a new episode, you can hear it on your phone thingy as a streaming thing. Um, I use that word thing because I don't have any other... I'm not articulate enough. Um, So there you go, all the ways that you can listen to the show. Um, I'm going to ask a favor out there. If if you've been listening to the show and you enjoy it, um, please tell a friend. Um, I'd love to get a few more downloads. The show's not doing poorly by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I'd always love to get a few more people uh, listening into the show and uh, maybe you know providing some feedback or, or just even joining in in the music discussion at the Facebook page and being part of the community. So um, if every one of you out there has enjoyed this episode or indeed any episode, tell one person. Um, it'd be great to uh, welcome them to the Love That Album family. Uh, and just to, um, well, and selfishly to get a few more downloads. Uh, God, that sounds like a pathetic beg, and it is. But, um, <laughs> what the hell? So, uh, I think on that note, um, we'll close down proceedings. Um, as I said, we'll have Ben Eisen from, uh, All Time Top 10 in a couple of weeks to discuss the Who's album, Who's Next. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, and I just also want to say many, many thanks to you guys. Um, it's, you know, John, you. you you meant to go to sleep, and, and Dave, yeah, I've you, wept. oh, and, and and Dave, you've been ill, and and the fact that you still you, you sweated blood, sweat, and tears over the last few days to to make it to the show. So I, I'm so appreciative of the both of you for being on. I thank you, and thank you for getting me to listen to this album. Oh, fantastic! It's just the tip of the uh, tops of an iceberg for me. So, so thanks. Yeah. So yeah, we go. So, yeah, much more uh, uh, and and uh, yeah. and also uh, well, thanks to you, Dave, for um, bringing uh, Towns Van Zant into my life because um, I mean I, I, I'd long been aware of him, but yeah, you know, until you went and said, "Get this live at the old quarters <laughs> album," um, 
I thought, right, right, this is the one I'll go for. And as I think I might have mentioned to you, the guy in the CD store said, that's a really good place to start. <laughs> have oh, you already so... talked about that yet? Sorry? Have you already talked about uh, Love the Old 40 yet? I made, uh, a, I made some mention of it on the uh, Shooting the Shit album. Uh, shit, okay. sorry, album or the Shooting the Shit episode. So if you go back to uh, episode 41, um, with uh, where I'm talking with um, Thomas DJ, Tim Merrill, uh, John Stewart, and uh, Eric Reanimator. And we're all talking about music that we've been listening to recently. And um, yeah, I talked for a bit about uh, my th- so not in any long context, like not a whole show, but yeah, we I, I do make mention that uh, you've gone and put me onto that album and uh, uh, my thoughts about that. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really digging that, and I plan to be uh, giving that a whole lot more spins. Uh, over the, uh, the coming months, so um, yeah, that'll uh, that'll be great. So I'm looking forward to having the two of you back, and uh, I think uh, it'll be your you guys your turn to uh, pick something for me to listen to for us to discuss next time. So awesome! All right. Anyway, uh, thank you once again, listeners out there, for uh, downloading this, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks for uh, the Who's Next episode. I love that album. Until then. Listen to all the aforementioned podcasts, watch some great films, listen to a whole lot of great records, read your books, whatever it takes to uh, keep yourself entertained and informed. And uh, we'll see you shortly. Cheers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.